Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 1995, theorizing that one could time travel within their own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. After years of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned. Until now. Quantum Leap was an experimental time travel program, years away from being tested. Why did you leap? I don't remember anything. Your name is Dr. Ben Song. You're a time traveler leaping from life to life, trying to put right what once went wrong. I'm Addison Augustine. You're the woman I love. Richard Martinez is Leaper X. Another Leaper from the future, traveling through time just like Ben. I remember why I leapt in the first place. It's to save you. All I know is Martinez is going to try and kill you in the past. You still think Ben is nearing his last leap? I'm, I'm getting nothing. Where are you, Ben? You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 136, Judgment Day. It's snowing in L.A. Nuclear winter. Hi, Ben. I've been waiting for you. For a long time. Oh, my God. I'm in the future. This shouldn't be possible. That isn't strictly possible. The accelerator is already trying to pull you back in the past. But you have to fight it, okay? We don't have a lot of time. I'm the only one from Quantum Leap who survived. This doesn't make any sense. How is this our future? The government blames Quantum Leap for society collapsing. But... We help people. We right wrongs. It doesn't matter. Time travel changes things. So they've somehow convinced themselves that we change things for the worse. They want to undo everything that we did here at Quantum Leap by killing the person who leaped in 2022. Me. Addison. In the original timeline, Addison leaped. I figured out a way to beat them at their own game. It's a failsafe, and you're going to need it. What's happening? The machine is pulling you back. Just memorize the code. But what does it... Memorize it. We're running out of time. He's leaping. Is he coming home? Yes. But he has one last leap. Just tell us where he's going. It's not so much where as when. It's us. In 2018. This is why Ben needed my help. He wanted to leap back to the day that Martinez was sent to kill Addison. And he needed my help to program the accelerator to this specific day... And this specifically post. Who? Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we are discussing the season finale of season one, episode 18, Judgment Day. And because this is such a special event, we have a very special co-host, everybody out there listening in the Quantum Leap universe. Help us welcome back to the podcast, QLP creator and just human being extraordinaire, Albert Mark Burge. Albie, welcome back to the mic. Yay! Hey, hey, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. I've been listening to your show all uh, all season, and I'm really enjoying what you're doing. And we've oh, been thanks. watching your after show, and we've really been enjoying what you've been doing over there. So Awesome. It's funny uh, how we've evolved and how the show has grown. Yeah. yeah. It's like you really you, you really haven't gone anywhere. You're just, you're just doing it in, in a different spot. 
Yeah, uh, it's really cool that uh, the Quantum Leap podcast has two of the top three Quantum Leap podcasts out there. (laughs) (laughs) It was inevitable, right? I mean, all this goodness cannot be contained. So, yeah, man, welcome back to the mic. It's great to have you. I think um, I remember the last time I think we had you on the main pod was for Heart of a Champion. Could that be right? That sounds familiar. Yeah, that was the wrestling episode and you're you're a wrestling guy. And of course, uh, mirror image. Yes. Yeah, mirror image special, of course. Yeah. So yeah, um, this is just terrific. I'm so happy to have you back on the show to discuss this final episode with you because I'm just so curious to know what you think about it, uh, Matt. I'm so curious to know what you think about yeah. it. But before we dive into this, we have so much to talk about. I also just want to let everybody out there listening know that we will also be bringing you an interview with Raymond Lee, Caitlin Bassett, and Nanrissa Lee, and uh, they uh, spoke to us about season one. They teased a little bit about season two i can't believe we got all three of them on the same call (laughs) unbelievable that was some diary combinations right so it's like old home week we're welcoming back albie welcoming back uh raymond caitlin and nanrissa it's just it's uh, it's wow all thanks to the amazing matt dale he's been getting us all these great interviews all season long everyone everyone that's been like really appreciating all these guest stars and production people and writers and everybody it's all thanks to Matt Dale. He's been working so hard behind the scenes just to get us all these people. And I just want to say thank you right now, Matt. You, you've really made this season of the Quantum Leap podcast and the Quantum Leap After Show an amazing event. Oh, thank you, man. I, I, right back at you, though, because um, particularly for the guest stars that I was approaching agents blind, I wouldn't have got as many yeses if we hadn't had the brand there to start with. And I couldn't say, look, we've been running for 10 years. We've done dozens and dozens of these things. Um, so, yeah, the, the long history that you started made my job so much easier. It takes a village. Mm-hmm. It does. What a lot of love here. Oh, wow. So much talent in the room. I'm uh, I'm outclassed. I'm completely outclassed, but I'm going to sally forth. I'm going to soldier on. I'm going to fake it till I make it. So if you guys will have me. <laughs> You're the only one that's contributed to Quantum Leap canon, Chris. Uh, I don't know about that. That that means that when it comes to explaining how this episode works, you are a step above us. You are allowed to tell us how it works. I am convinced that in season two, uh, Ben is going to leap into someone that's jogging and has earbuds in, and they're listening to the Quantum Leap podcast, and we will <laughs> be in-universe. <laughs> one day, one day. We'll make it in there somehow. Dean, I know you're listening. Make that I, I, I've been looking at the screens. I've been looking at like Ian's screen just to see if like our podcast is playing in the bottom somewhere. Not yet. <laughs> Maybe one day. Hey, hey, um, never say never, right? Yeah. 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 So Judgment Day is upon us. And uh, as I said, so much to talk about in this episode. Um, uh, oh, where do we begin? Um, I guess we should just dive right in with some initial impressions. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. Matt, why don't we go with you first? <laughs> right. So I've been saying the whole season that I am... I'm hoping everything will tie together neatly at the end, but I'm absolutely prepared for all this this time travel plot line to not fully tie up at the end because we know that there was shake-ups behind the scenes and things that I was willing to give them a lot of allowance for as long as the comedy and drama and romance, as long as all that was there, I'd give them a wide berth uh, as we got to the, the end of the season. Um I'm glad I'd prepared myself for that. (laughs) 
Hmm. Well, I'm sure we'll get uh, very, very deep into that. Uh, but before we do, Albie, how about you? What were your initial impressions of Judgment Day? My initial impressions were, wow, I loved the episode. I think it was the best episode of the season, and I was so happy that all the uh, questions I had going along through the season and all the loose ends I thought they might leave untied were all tied up pretty well for the most part, and uh, it was just an amazing hour of television. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so uh, I, I have to say, so let me digress for a second. I saw an opera last night. It's the first time I'd ever seen the opera. The sets were phenomenal. The singing was excellent, second to none. Uh, there was comedy, there was humor, the acting was good, the music was beautiful. But it was so all over the place that I was just having a hard time following it. And by the end of the night, everything came together as what I want to call a beautiful mess. And the first time I watched this episode, I felt like it was a beautiful mess. That's a really good way of describing <laughs> it. Yes. But that has that has a lot to do. Let me let me separate that and to qualify those comments. I enjoyed every single thing I saw on screen. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's just no denying that there are some time travel logistics that you alluded to, Matt, as well, that just don't work here. And yeah. as a time travel podcast about a time travel show hosted by people whose favorite genre is time travel, we need to bring that kind of stuff up because it's that geeky stuff that we just love. But at the end of the day, I had a terrific time watching this episode, and uh, even though I have some issues with it, boy, oh boy, did I have fun. I think it's a really fun episode. If I can maybe just just add to, I, I, I realized I put a bit of a down point um, in, in my feedback. Like you, Chris, I was sat through it smiling all the way through. I, I just had so much fun watching it. I was grinning ear to ear all the way through it. So when I say I'd prepared myself for certain things that, that came to pass, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, and uh, it came to pass exactly as we had been um, predicting it would, but we'll get into that. Let's, mm. let's just trace the timeline. Let's just get into it because we finally have some resolution to why Ben is leaping, where Martinez fits into all of it, where future Ian fits into all of this. So as you guys know, in the leap in, Ben leaps into what is apparently a nuclear wasteland in the future of Los Angeles. It's the year 2051. And um, according to future Ian, the government basically nuked the project, nuked LA, or maybe there was just a nuclear war, who knows, but we just know that Project Quantum Leap has been destroyed, and it was because the government blamed Quantum Leap for the world's problems. Mm -hmm. So um, Future Ian uh, says that the government sent Martinez back to kill Addison to prevent her from leaping in 2022. I already have a problem with that, and uh, therefore erasing the original timeline. So Ian leaped to warn Ben... And Ben leaped instead, and then Ian returned to the future to work on a final quantum code. Uh, that code is a failsafe formula, which is also a plot reset device. And uh, <laughs> Ben leaps to 2018, the day that Martinez is set to kill Addison. And um, this is why he enlisted Janice's help to target this date specifically. The showdown between Ben and Martinez is on. Meanwhile, back in 2023, the project is having a hard time tracking Ben in the future. The accelerator can pick him up, then it can't, then it can. And when he leaps back to 2018, they all stand and witness as Ben threatens to destroy their own present by changing their past. Yes. That's it in a nutshell, right? I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> yeah, I have a headache. 
I need that on a t-shirt. Picture of Ernie Hudson. I have a headache. <laughs> so, so many time travel issues here. So, I mean, Matt, would you care to begin? So, I, I've, I've spent the last few days trying to figure this out. So let, let's start with a big issue and then a possible solution to it. The big issue here, as far as I'm concerned, and I, I hope you agree, is that if, if Future Ian, whichever timeline Future Ian is from, goes back, and this is basically the inverse of the Doc Brown blackboard scene. If Future Ian from 2051 goes back to 2022 to warn Ben about events that happened in 2018... It's going to be in the timeline that they already know existed. So all they're going to do is find Ben in mourning for Addison from four years previously. In order for Ian to change the past, they've got to go back to before Addison was killed. Right. You mean 1955, before Biff got the sports almanac? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's going to be the past from this reality in which Biff is powerful and corrupt and married to your mother. Great Scott. I know this is heavy. So yeah, that, that was my biggest issue with it as well. I, I have a solution though. It's just not a solution I think the writers intended. What's your solution? When Martinez travelled back in, in what Ian calls the original timeline, but obviously it's the second timeline, because in the original timeline, that, that's when everything goes wrong and the government says, oh, let's send Martinez back. So in the second timeline, Martinez goes back to 2022, just before Addison leaps, and kills her then. So Ian jumps back to earlier in 2022 and says, hey, Ben, you know set all this in motion, come forward to 2051 so I can give you some code. And then, by the way, Ziggy's told me that this is all going to start off a new timeline and Martinez is actually going to end up travelling back before this. So you need to end up back in 2018. So effectively, Addison's death starts at 2022 and then shifts back to 2018 because of all this... Right, because Martinez is now moving on the fly to counteract Ben's... Yeah, so so they're doing a... um, if any of our listeners have seen the Doctor Who comic release special Curse of Fatal Death, there's this, there's this running joke in it at one point where, uh, the Doctor and the Master just keep traveling back in time further and further back to try and outdo each other. And it, that's basically what's happening here. Ben and Martinez are just jumping back before each other. But Ian manages to predict this when they go back to 2022. They say, look, I've come back because Addison's going to be killed in six months' time, but I know by doing this, Martinez is going to go back to 2018, so meet him there. So that kind of solves that, but I do not think that's what the writers were thinking. But but see, that begs the question, how does Ben know that Martinez is going to go back to 2018 then if uh, he is only in 2022 and enlisting the help of Janice to reach that date? How did they arrive at that date then? Ian was... Working with Ziggy in the future, Ziggy is so smart, she's figured out all these things that might happen, and she's figured out, look, an alternate timeline is going to get created, so the message you need to give uh, to Ben is 2018. Well, Ziggy's, Ziggy's a whole nother issue in this. I mean, that's, that's oh, a whole yeah, nother I, line I of discussion that I we know. have to... Uh, yeah. I have to assume that Ziggy is helping Ian in that timeline, despite yeah. having turned bright red. <laughs> so that's... I. It, it's a messy solution... And it shouldn't be necessary, but it kind of works. But that's taken a few days of watching this literally five, six times to try and figure out that that, that might be the answer. 
I feel like Doctor Who brain really helped there, right? <laughs> it's the, again, for the Doctor Who fans in the the audience, it's the I bribe the architect first mentality that really helped me get there. Wow. Listening to you explain that, Matt, makes me realize I'm not a morning person and I feel like I'm <laughs> auditing a theoretical physics class way too early for my brain to comprehend what's going on. <laughs> It's unfortunately, this is an audio-only podcast because I have a map to explain it, which I would send you guys, but but the listeners will just be... I'll send it to you afterwards. Oh, thank you. We'll put that on the Patreon feed. There we go. We'll, we'll put yeah. that up for anybody at a dollar and above on Patreon. How's you that? guys are forgetting <laughs> one thing, though. What? Quantum Bubble. That fixes everything. Quantum Bubble. But yeah. Quantum Bubble fixes things when we want it to fix things. Right. Quantum right. Bubble is... Yeah. Well, it, what about it, the it nanowave nullifier? Nanowave nullifier. <laughs> the quantum bubble doesn't protect them from timeline changes because the notepad changes. Ian's memory changed in Let Them Play. It's The quantum bubble is there as a plot device when we want it, which, again, I went into this episode expecting some of that kind of, look, because show, it's fine, whatever. It, I, the fact that I spent so long picking this apart is not because I think it's the most important thing about this. The most important thing about this is... Ben going on a double date with two versions of <laughs> Caitlin. That's that's the most important thing about this episode for me. The timeline stuff can go hang, but it just because I'm such a fan of because I'm such a fan of time travel, I had to try and figure it out. Yeah, well, I think you did, but I still have some issues with this. Go because on, go on. I, I like the quantum bubble number one because hand wavy. Well, we're now affecting our own pasts directly. Therefore, uh, we're in this quantum bubble. I guess it's a pocket of reality that the universe creates, so that there's not some kind of time-breaking paradox or, you know, destroying the Mm space-time continuum. That's the way I look at that. Okay, fine. But so you you have to figure that if Ian can use the quantum accelerator, the same one that they used uh, to send Martinez back, to target a specific date to get to Ben and then somehow leap back, that means that that version of the project in the future has cracked the code of actually targeting a specific time and place for someone to go to, which yes. Ben has been working on. I guess maybe that's why he's got to keep leaping from place to place to do that slingshot effect to get to that point in the future so that Ian can give him the magic reset button so that he can go back to 2018 as many times as he needs to. Um, okay, fine. But that being the case, then why didn't Ian just leap to stop Martinez? Yes. Because they knew where Martinez was going to be yeah. at some point in the process. And it also then raises the question, if you guys can help me with this, if they can target a leap, why is Martinez leaping around time interacting with Ben sporadically? What, what the hell is he doing? Why isn't he just going to complete the mission with a single leap, kind of like Ian does when they set all of this in motion? Well, Ian only let... After Martinez had left, so clearly the 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 ability to target better was something they worked on after Martinez left. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but then, what was Martinez's plan? Was he also slinging around time to get to the past, to get to a certain date? Like it, it that that to me is is doesn't hang together. I'm trying to figure out why Martinez needed to be in Salvation, why Martinez needed to be on the Montana. I I just don't get these kisses with Leaper X. Why did we need them? Okay, so the original project that we followed back in the original series was everything was completely untargeted and it just went all over the place. This um the project in LA 
Ben was able to plan out a route. Martinez was leaping from New Mexico. Mm. No, Martinez was leaping from the future. Yeah, the future of New Mexico. They they unmothballed. No, no, no. You know how much I want that. You know how much I love that. But but then that that would at least explain why he's he's on a, a, a completely random path that will ultimately... Uh, yeah, no, I, I, no, I can't Albie, explain Albie, that Albie, step in and fix it, Albie. Come on, fix it. <laughs> well, I just want to say, I want to I want to spin this, because what some people might view as a negative of it being overcomplicated and breaking rules of time travel, uh, I think is a positive, because this episode was written for people like us, and it wasn't dumbed down for the general audience. So I really appreciate how complicated they made it that we had to sit here and think about it. I mm, that's a very kind interpretation, my friend. Yeah, I I think they tried to make it simple, and I honestly I'm I'm looking forward to watching it with my partner because she she will watch it and just nod along and go, yeah, right, that's fine, that's what happened, and take it as read. And it's only because we're being nerdy, we're going what? Well, yeah, but hang on a second, different mm-hmm. timelines, and it and it all as I say for me the whole thing falls down as soon as you think about well how did. Ian go back and not find a version of Ben that was mourning for Addison from four years previously. And and that's something that Sharon will not think of when she watches that, I guarantee you. And how did Ian, when, when they left back to the future, get back to that apocalyptic future if uh, they had already set the changes in motion that um, made the timeline different in some way? That's the only part that bumped me when I was actually watching it the first time was that Ian was the Ian from the original timeline that Addison left, because I didn't understand how that could work at all. Yeah, well, that, apparently uh, they are. But just the fact that they went back and changed it so that Ben left means that that timeline is now gone. Yeah. Theoretically, because Ben is not mourning for Addison in this 2022 that we see. Yeah. So there's no there there for them to leap back to. Yeah. But don't those alternate timelines still exist? So maybe the accelerator, Ziggy, whoever's leaping everybody towards the end, maybe they can leap between the different timelines. Uh, I See, I find alternate timelines still existing so unsatisfying in fiction because then you just think, all oh, right, Addison died in this timeline, but there's another timeline where she lived. So yeah, whatever. I don't like that as a solution in any fiction. Yeah, and if we can go to any alternate timeline or competing timeline because they they coexist, then why doesn't Ziggy just shunt Sam into a timeline where everything is fixed? You know, why would there ever have to be an original history? Yeah, good point. I like the idea of multiple universes. We've talked about this on the show before. I think it's a neat wrinkle to maybe bring to Quantum Leap if they're going to do something bigger with the premise, expand the premise, maybe see competing timelines, competing versions of the project. I think that would be really cool. I just don't know how it fits into the dynamic that we're seeing here in uh, the story as laid out in season one. But let's let's talk about Future Ian while, while we're on that timeline. Ian says... To Ben, very specifically, I could barely find someone for you to leap into. What? Huh? (laughs) Who did Ben leap into in 2051, if not Ben? Because Ian says, they're all dead. I'm the only one left. You guys are are toast. Well, Ian's been wandering around the LA wasteland and has found some half-dead homeless dude and then dragged them back to 
PQL and thrown them in the imaging chamber for dramatic reasons and uh, just waited. That was my exact thought while watching it. I, it's just just a rando. But... Yeah, just some strange person cooking some dog on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that uh, Ben had looked into some kind of reflective surface and seen like a nuclear mutant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then just sniffed a bit. I smell dog. <laughs> <laughs> that smells delicious. What is that? <laughs> that would have been great. That, that brings up the uh, mirror reflection of Ben in Ben as Ben. And while I was watching it, I was like, wow, that's an amazing special effect. How did they get Ben to reflect as Ben in the mirror? And like for a minute, I'm like, wow, this is so cool. And I'm like, oh, well, that would be just his reflection. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Does Raymond Lee have a twin brother? That he used? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I'm okay. The other thing I have with this time travel, this this whole the conceit is set up in the episode. Okay, uh, aside from the just the 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 screaming ethical issue of Ian finding someone for Ben to leap into <laughs> and just holding them there because, like, how did Ben target twenty fifty one and that person with Janice? I guess Ian gave them some kind of coordinates or something to try to hit. Well, um, Ben had like six months to figure that out. So maybe a bit of Ian's help, maybe a bit of Ben going, right, now I've got, uh, I'm, I'm going to get my head down, I've got to save Addison, and I know specifically this is what I'm going to target and roughly how. Right, because Ian is Ian is working on the other end of the equation. The, the cheat code. In the future, and I need to go back to retrieve it so that I can so that I can go back to 2018 before Biff got the sports all. Oh, we made that joke. Anyway, um, <laughs> the one thing that, again, makes no sense to me, though, is that, so Martinez goes back to the past to kill Addison before she leaps. And they keep saying that Addison's original leap was in 2022. The saga cell from the first season repeatedly says quantum leap was a time travel experiment years away from being tested. And then Ben stepped into the accelerator and leapt for some unknown reason. Mm -hmm. So that happened in 2022. It was years away from being tested, yet somehow in this, Addison's first leap is supposed to be in 2022, when it should have been sometime in like 2027 or 2028, maybe. Yeah, Saga Cell, not canon. Um. I want to say that goes along the lines of the modern day $100 bill in the suitcase in the Bounty Hunter episode. It was just a mistake. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe, maybe it also would help them keep the series grounded in what the viewers already know instead of introducing yet another future point or something like that. Yes. Maybe just for simplicity's sake. Is it possible that in the original timeline, Addison, for some reason, had to leap early, some kind of emergency? Yeah, I'm forced to prove her theories. Right, yes, funding. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It might be, it just might be a like a personality trait of people that they pick to be leapers. They just all want to leap early before the project's ready. I mean, the very fact that we're talking about 2023 is obviously simplifying for the audience to avoid them having to go through too many mental somersaults with different timelines, because we know Ian leapt into Dottie in spring 2022. Uh, we know Ben then leapt about six months later. Uh, most of the episodes of the first season at the project timeline, they've referred to events of the previous week as having happened the previous day. So there's no way it's 2023 right now, but it's 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 fudged. And again, it's fine. It's I appreciate it would be complex for the audience if the present day was 
2022, the audience would think it was another time period or a flashback or something like that. That was a decision, and, and fair enough. I, I, yeah, it's a small thing in a sea of a lot of small things and some very big things. So it was just another thing that didn't make much sense to me and uh, didn't ruin the episode by any means. But it's just like, well, I don't know. I don't know. So, but we're, I'm still like trying to wrap my head around now all of this leaping. So Ben does get back to 2018. He's future Ben in past Ben. So it's a leaper inside of Ben. And then Martinez leaps back into magic and gets into the project. And now they have the, uh, you know, the, the showdown in the hallway conveniently right outside of the accelerator chamber that's getting set to implode, which I thought was a great twist, by the way. Mm. I know that yeah. we still want to get into the plot and the drama and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah. Let's put a yeah. pin in that because I thought that was a great twist. But then they, they stumble into the accelerator chamber. And they start leaping back to the points in history where they intersected. So is Ben like a double leaper? Is he a leaper within a leaper? Yeah, and where's where's magic? And where's magic? So is, are people seeing Martinez or are they seeing magic? Like how come – so magic is somewhere. Martinez is inside magic and now they're leaping back into um, a creepy – was it Carl, the, uh, the orderly? <laughs> yeah, uh, Lawrence. Lawrence, creepy Lawrence. Thank you very much. And uh, then we saw them go back to uh, SOS and Martinez kicks – ass doesn't he yeah <laughs> i love he's that amazing. terminator moment where he yeah. says you are the terminator and he turns exactly yeah. like a terminator and walks towards ben that was amazing i love that that whole sequence is just it's so beautifully choreographed i'm not a big fan of fight sequences usually but this is a really good fight sequence and so cleverly directed just all the camera moves and the cutting mm. it's so smooth and so exciting it was great, and um, it was nice to see some of the callbacks of what Ben had learned to help him yeah. at least defend himself minimally, because I love the fact that he was outclassed physically by Martinez from beginning to end. Like, there was just no way that he's going to beat this guy. He might be able to get one lucky punch. Thank you to the boxing episode. It was nice to see John Chafin back. Uh, yeah. That little clip of him, because I remember, I think he might have been my first or second interview that I did for this season. And I've been seeing him a lot in HBO's Perry Mason uh, since season two of that premiered. He's got a, a pretty good part in that. So I've been thinking about him every time I see him. And it was nice that they called back to his episode in this. So, John, if you're listening, good work in Perry Mason. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I thought that that was a good way for them to harken back to, okay, Ben is not exactly who he was in a less ham-fisted way than in the pilot when he is, you know, all of a sudden this this physics guy who likes to wear t-shirts and, and hack out code is now like punching out a bodyguard because, yes, you know, mm -hmm. this I think this was much more of an organic evolution of who he's become since he leapt. So, but anyway, um, getting back to them going back in time, they wind up finally back in Salvation, right? And apparently Martinez is in Henry because I remember Henry's outfit. Ah. I know you mentioned that in the chat. I don't think he is in Henry. Really? I, I just remember. I, it, it's, a, it's quite a similar outfit, and it's not the same outfit that Martinez was wearing. Or, well, Martinez wore a couple of outfits throughout, but Henry's was more of a, a vibrant purple. Uh, see, I just saw some purple. I assumed it was Henry, and then I felt bad for uh, Marquise Wilson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who I also interviewed for the podcast because I thought he was great in the episode. I mean, 
yeah, we we got to feel bad for somebody. Somebody ends up taking a fall for Martinez, whether it's uh, whether it is Henry or whether it's the original Leapy. Some somebody died there. Just the whole production value of that whole fight sequence across time was amazing to me. Uh, it's not something that you see on that level on too many network television shows. That they just so many different uh, scenes, setups, uh, locations, just for that few minutes of that crazy fight. It reminded me of like maybe the extended fight scene, and they live to where it just kept going and going, but in a good <laughs> way. And, uh, like, it was pretty rough, like, when uh, Martinez was beating on Ben in the Mental Institute, and he was just so bloodied. I was like, oh, my goodness. But then, of course, when he leapt back further, he was he's better again, so he got another, another chance. It's like somebody's looking out for him. I mean, since I've already uh, I've already referenced Doctor Who won, so I'm going to do it again. This, this is like a fight version of the Matt Smith season one finale. Spoiler alert for people that haven't watched it, but the Matt Smith's first season ends with him travelling back through his entire season for much more complicated reasons than this. It reminded me a lot of that, but Matt Smith isn't getting beaten up. I have a question. While watching the episode, did you think that Frankie was Frankie? Because I had a feeling that it was a different Leaper from a different time saving Ben. Oh, I was going to save that for the end, but Sorry. in my head, in my head, that, that's, that's Sam. That was exactly Sam. It, it, oh. that, that was my first <laughs> yeah. thought that Sam saving Ben that Sam and I, I immediately put out the question to people friends I have and I got no response from anyone about that so no, normally I'd get a no or or, or something else but I, I didn't get anything so I don't know it leaves leaves the, the open for the future I think but to me that's Sam. The reason I think that you're right there, Albie, even if it's not Sam, I think it is somebody else other than Frankie because I can't see Frankie shooting a townsperson in the back unprovoked without more to the story. I'm sure people in Salvation fight all the time. There's probably gunplay quite a bit of the time. It is the Old West, right? So why would she come up behind and basically just blindside him that way? You know, just kill him unless – she knew that something bigger was at stake here. And how did she get there? Did she crawl through one of the windows? Uh, I'm just curious about that. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, this this to me seems like there's some agency afoot here. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if we'll ever come back to it. There's always season two. Uh, I don't think that even if they never do come back to it, in my head, that's Sam and Sam is still leaping. And Mm -hmm. that's good enough for me. Oh, I hadn't even considered that. I love it. What what did you did you have any any thoughts at all on that, man? I no, I took it uh I took it at face value. Uh, like I was saying earlier on, I think a lot of the audience are gonna take a lot of this at face value. By the time my my brain was done trying to process everything that had happened, I just saw that and thought, yeah, that, that's fine. She's shot him. Um Okay. Speaking of that same scene, I, I liked the fact that uh, when Martinez gets shot from behind, you see his shoulder like lurch forward from the gunshot. I was much more expecting like the scene from like, let's say, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you think Indy shot, but he's not. And then they show that the other person shot. So it was they, they gave it away right away that Martinez was the one shot. There wasn't that like two seconds of who shot who, you know, when you just hear the gunfire. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's much more because Indy has its roots in those chapter plays in the serial dramas where you were supposed to have a cliffhanger and not know. And then all mm. of a sudden the character's miraculously better at the beginning of the next play. So it's sort of got that <laughs> DNA to it. Right. But now that Martinez is dead, having leapt in Magic's body, 
without this reset button that Ian provides to Ben, magic is now dead. Is he not? Well, yes, in that timeline. But it isn't isn't that... Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, <laughs> he he's dead in that timeline, but we know the the 2023 timeline is in a, in a different timeline, which is about to be erased because of the events that happened in 2018. We know that as a viewing audience, we're not going to be happy if the entire season was, it was all a dream. Uh, it's not all going to get wiped out. So we are going to continue with this reality, however... Uh, unlikely that may be from a time from a temporal mechanics perspective uh so i i'm not worried about too much about what happened in that 2018 time frame because although that should be the dominant one now it won't be another thing about the end of martinez we saw the end of his journey lost to time killed but that doesn't mean that's the last time we see martinez because like to reference doctor who again just because you see the end of someone's timeline doesn't mean that you won't still see the middle and towards the end of their timeline the other thing is, I mean, this whole, and I'm sure this is one of the things we're going to come to talk about anyway, but I, I just want to talk briefly about this whole cheat code thing. Because the, the cheat code thing, it all seems a bit ridiculous and over the top to be referring to it as like a, a cheat code and all that stuff, when all it is is uh, Ian has spent many years fine-tuning the code so that instead of just targeting yeah a rough day, they can target a specific minute and time. I, in my headcanon, think that the cheat code also enabled realities to be combined where dramatically necessary. So that's going to be the explanation as to why we stay in this timeline that should have been overridden by everything that happens in 2018. (laughs) And Magic is not dead, but Martinez is. I think the end of the episode changes the timeline we'll see coming back to season two. I think the fact that Ben grabbed Addison and kissed her just changes the timeline completely because they don't go on that first date. They don't do everything like they were going to do. That moment could be a tangent skew line on a blackboard to where uh, they can do anything they want coming back for season two. Yeah, but if we follow that, then... Well, it's it's been great having Ernie on the show, but um, he's gone. Well, we know Ernie's back. We know Ernie's back. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't think they can follow that timeline exactly. Now, maybe they can follow the, the kiss part of that. And obviously, they're going to follow the fact that nobody died. But yeah, th- this is where I think that the two realities are going to end up converging or have converged in some way. And that's because of the cheat code. How about that kiss? Oh my god, That I have been waiting all season for that. Um, those of us that care about that element of the plot have all been waiting all season for that, and it paid off. Oh, it was beautiful. I was so, so happy. And that really does get into, I mean, I have other technical questions, but I mean, it's a perfect way to get into what I really <laughs> did love. questions oh about a man and a woman kissing? No, 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 not about that. I mean, I have I have more overarching plot <laughs> questions, leap questions, logistics questions. But since we're talking about the kiss, every performance in this episode was so phenomenal. And yes. I had so much fun watching like the dueling Caitlin's, the dueling Addison's. Yeah, yeah. Those scenes were were great. And just the emotion was there and the character was there. And that's why I said it was like kind of a beautiful mess because I can't not think about this time travel stuff, but damn it, everybody brought it for this final yes. episode. Even Magic had a great scene with Ben. Everybody got some time with Ben, which I really liked. And um, 
everybody had a, their moments as well. I mean, uh, Jen had her moment when she was helping him out in an imaging chamber. Yeah. Ian and, and Ben gets a hug and, uh, you know, that kiss and magic has his magic wisdom. Yeah. It just sung on so many levels in that sense that I'm just sitting there like an idiot, grinning, grinning, grinning as this story moves on. And I'm just so swept up in the emotion of it and the action. And like you would say, that fight choreography and all these other questions get pushed to the background, especially on a subsequent viewing, because now I get it. Now I accept it. These are issues that it has. Let me just enjoy this freaking finale. And whoo. <laughs> To the credit of the the writers and the actors, all of the characters, with the exception of Magic, were distinctly different between 2018 and 2023, and in one case, 2051. They all played very different versions of themselves, uh, which was just, it it was such a joy to see, um, and to see the, the slightly older team looking back at their younger selves and commenting on it. It was just so, so good. And that's that's the kind of stuff that I love about time travel. I'm not as fussed about time travel that goes back to the 15th century. I want to see the kind of back to the future type time travel that investigates relationships and families and people seeing what they were like when they were younger. Brilliant. Luckily, um, grunge was really big in 2018, so <laughs> yeah. we, got, we got to tell <laughs> timelines apart very easily. 2018 looked a lot like 1996 to me. What was going on with Jen's eye makeup there? I loved it. I loved it. I really did. That was a thing. That was a thing. I remember. Red triangles were a thing? Yeah. I feel like we were seeing a little bit more of um, a 1999 original QL aesthetic there. It was just a little bit over the top. I wanted one flashing LED. (laughs) uh, I I guess we can't have everything we want, but... Yeah, I mean, um, the emotion was there. And I, I had um, a question about like, so when Ben changes the timeline, first I thought, okay, why does Ben even need to be close to Addison to prevent Martinez? Why can't Ben leap into somebody and watch them fall in love, watch their date and sort of the memory of them, of, you know, evolve in front of him, right? Watch, watch everything happen the way that he doesn't remember. So he gets to remember it now. And meanwhile, he's somewhere in the wings fighting Martinez. This is my Back to the Future 2 fantasy yes. playing out. But mm. then I think the writers realized, what fun would that be? Yeah. You know, you yeah. want to yeah. have Ben interacting as Ben with the main cast. Finally, freaking finally. So I understand why they didn't go that way. I just, another reason why I thought, okay, if you're really this worried about changing the timeline, don't leap into yourself. You know that Martinez is going to show up somehow. Just shadow Addison. We would have lost so so much awesome stuff. The scene in the restaurant. Yeah. I want to agree with you, Chris, because of this part of the episode, the whole date and the romance between Addison and Ben and him going on the first date again, it made me very happy. I was so like overjoyed and giddy watching it. I just love their relationship and the romance between the two characters. And uh, even when they first talked about their first date where Addison was explaining it to Ben because Ben didn't remember it, uh, I got all mushy and happy feeling. So to actually see it, actually happen it was so satisfying and it felt like a really good payoff for people that are watching the relationship and enjoying the relationship and it also while i was watching it i was like thinking to myself oh this is maybe why ben doesn't remember their first date because ben wasn't there ben was in ben yeah i I was wondering the same thing was he essentially destroying his own memories or overwriting them 
because now he's in two places at once, essentially. Was Ben able to remember and see through Ben's eyes when Ben is in Ben? So would Ben have the memory <laughs> of Ben's memory? I, I don't know. I mean, that is an excellent question. I am <laughs> um, wondering, what is Addison remembering now? I'll take it for granted because the show established the quantum bubble that the Addison that is watching from 2023, her memories are protected because they're not affected by the changes in the timeline yet somehow because they're in that bubble. So she's watching Ben change their entire date um, in real time twice. So how does how does that affect her once Ben gets home, if he indeed gets home? Does she remember both versions, all three versions? What does she remember? Or does she just remember the kiss and what happened from there? I'm so curious to know that because it, it's such geeky little details. If we were going by what Al remembers, I would say Addison remembers all of it. True, but then would that just be a condition of being the hologram? So that if Jen is in the imaging chamber or Magic's in the imaging chamber, then do they get the plot armor? How does it work now? Because you can have multiple holograms. I, I don't think it's a hologram thing as much as in, I think, uh, Let Them Play, it was established that it's like the bubble's a little bit bigger than the imaging chamber, right? For the memory thing? Well, I think in this case, yes, it, it surrounds the entire project or the reality yes. that the project is currently living in. I don't know how far it extends out. Does it extend onto the streets of L.A.? I don't know. <laughs> I know it doesn't uh, extend to the Internet because the Internet gets updated, even though the people's <laughs> yes. memories of viewing the Internet doesn't get updated. Yes. But again, I saw I saw this quantum bubble as a special condition of just this leap because Ben is in Ben interacting with mm -hmm. the main cast. Right. I love the quantum bubble because it's just the perfect hand wave to explain anything. So perfect. We've just spent the last 40 minutes uh, right. debating it. Uh, we have quantum bubbles and reset buttons. Ah, yes. time travel. <laughs> yeah. But I'm still curious about how is this leaping working now. And so much of this, ever since they shut down Ziggy, they needed something to hinge the time travel on, right? And as a result, now they keep talking about the accelerator, the accelerator, to the point where the accelerator is almost given some sense of agency here. They say something like... It's like the quantum accelerator is confused. The accelerator is trying to bring you back. You're not supposed to be in the future. Fight it. So Ben is trying to stay in 2051 by, quote, fighting it. So can Ben now control his leaps? Are we, are we alluding to the fact that Ben is like Sam and that if he wants to stay somewhere, he can? Like, how would you fight it? I totally bought that because of what they established with uh, Magic's backstory, how he had to allow Sam to leap into him. So I think there is some kind of control that Ben can access when either fighting it or allowing himself to leap or, or waiting to leap for a little bit. Well, then, then why would Magic allow Martinez to leap into him to destroy the project? Uh Oh, that, that's a whole other question. I mean, regardless <laughs> of the... I hadn't... I, that's one I hadn't thought of. Yeah, Magic is the only person in, in Quantum Leap history that we know has let a Leaper in. My thought was so he had plausible deniability so he could uh, smoke those Cubans. <laughs> ah, well. But then it would be Martinez smoking them, wouldn't it? Well, but Magic is still there somehow because it's a mind leap. Yeah. Right. So they're both, they're, they're cohabitating the same they space. They both All right. enjoy the cigars. Oh, I'm still going with my headcanon from the original I said yes to the nudge that Sam specifically being Sam 
controlling his leaps for the first time actually did in that instance ask for permission because mm. he's a gentleman. <laughs> Any other time, it's just random and they just leap into him or even leap into them with malice because you can't tell me that everybody who Aaliyah leapt into said yes. You can't tell me that anyone that Zoe leapt into said yes. How did you guys feel about Al being in the episode by just uh, them talking about him? I like oh. that. That was that was a really nice throwback. I wasn't expecting. Yeah, that got me. I liked it too. My theory uh, last week was that Martinez was going to leap into Al somehow because uh, we saw Martinez had the the ring on that Janice and Al had. I hadn't realized that Magic also had that ring, so I, I assumed that he was going to leap into Al. So uh. when, I, when I was hearing Al being mentioned in the episode, I was like, oh, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm right. But then I wasn't. Oh, that must have been a disappointment. <laughs> A little bit, yeah, but, you know. yeah. I hadn't, uh, yeah, hadn't even that hadn't crossed my mind because they they wouldn't have had to show a um, they could have just showed Martinez as Al the whole time. They wouldn't even have to show a mirror reflection or anything. I guess I think the fans would have rioted. Honestly, <laughs> possibly, possibly. <laughs> if Al had been the villain of the piece and then yeah. probably got killed in the Old West, ooh, that would have been bad. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, because you can then you can't separate the death of Al from. The Michigash yes. of this first season. So I don't know if that would have been a, a, a good look for the show. <laughs> but again, it gets back to, okay, since Ziggy's not controlling the leaps or, you know, dictating probabilities or whatever Ziggy supposedly does, the accelerator is taking the brunt of all of like the speculation with Martina saying, You still think the accelerator's on your side? Are they saying that the accelerator is somehow akin to God, fate, time or whatever here? And that Ziggy is not really part of that equation. I really like the part where uh, Martinez was saying, uh, you know, everyone thinks God's on their side because that's always the cliche in any like post sports interview or whatever, yes. or any any political discussion or any any discussion whatsoever. You know, because man creates God in his own image, so uh, their God always agrees with them. So I, I really like that little bit of uh, lines. I will say you have been annoyingly difficult to get rid of. Maybe the quantum accelerator is on my side. Everyone that goes to war thinks the universe, God, is on their side. We can't all be right. And that's what made me think of GTF dubs, because they, they said God specifically. So I, I don't know that they were going for that deep of a dive. Is it Margarita that wrote this one, right? Yeah. Margarita Matthews, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure if Margarita was sneaking that in for us. Margarita, if you did and you're listening, thank you. I think that has more to do with Martinez's character because he seemed like the military type, which usually falls in line with the religious type. So, and he probably doesn't listen to the Quantum Leap podcast and doesn't talk about God, time, fate, whatever. <laughs> he doesn't know who Bruce McGill is, so he's just going with God. I what? Think. Who doesn't know who Bruce McGill is? How dare you, sir? <laughs> so, my favorite character development in the episode, I'm just going to throw this out there because otherwise I don't think it's ever going to come up, is the fact that Jen is basic as hell. Yes, I love the housewives, okay? Turtle time is my favorite time. I'm basic as hell. I was very <laughs> pleased with that. That was a nice little twist. And I love the fact that um, we had Nanrissa able to sort of break down some of Jen's walls in this yes. when they gave her, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like. The weepy moment in the hallway, and it could have been, I don't know, really cliche or kind of forced, right? Because it's just not the time or place, but then Rissa sold it for me. I love that scene. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was done perfectly, I think. It could have gone wrong so many ways. Yeah, because it, it came out of nowhere, effectively. A, a lesser actress would not have sold it as well as Nan Rissa did. I also love the Canadian story when she said sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice. <laughs> I didn't notice that. 
Well, that's funny. Well, if she, she was crying because she knew the accelerator was on Martinez's side. Yeah, and it's a great human moment because, you know, all this stuff's happening and any real human, not a, just a character on a TV show, would have emotions and would react with this overwhelming stuff. And how close she is to Ben and how close the whole team is, it made sense that her walls came down at that moment. Hmm. Now, I have to, I, I have to, I mean, speaking of walls coming down, how about walls between timelines and reality and just freaking... Uh, if there's one emotional beat in this that I'm, I'm still having trouble reconciling, it's quantum entanglement as magic and the we need each other bit of this. I, I get what they were trying to do, but I don't know if that aspect of the story worked for me. I wanted to get your guys' take on that because from what I can see here, what they're alluding to is that future Ian is somehow very mystical and tuned into the force and they are <laughs> guiding both past Ian's to press the button at the same time. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, well, why would they have that triple screen then? Yeah. With, no. with, with, with future Ian in the middle, just like, like Luke at the end of The Force Awakens. Yeah. You I, know, I, or whichever that one was, Rise of Skywalker, whichever, whichever one where Luke dies. But, um, spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> this, um, I, I, and I was saying, no, 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 because I thought we'd moved on from the time travel stuff. But, but you're right. It, this, this bit needs some dissection because this struck me as one of those classic things where, writers are hopping between two different time frames and forget that they're not just hopping between two different physical locations. So this code has to be entered in at the same time in the same place, uh, but in different timelines or different different time frames. But effectively, there's nothing tying those two time frames together. Ben has already leapt out of 2018. So all this is, is Ian entering some code and then Ian entering the same code four years later, five years later. But very dramatically. Yeah, and executing at at the exact same time. But, but it's not at the exact same time. It's at the exact same time if there is something tying those together. If this is like a, a Bill and Ted thing where the time in San Dimas is always running, or if <laughs> Ben is actually mid-leap and, then we, and we know the, the leaps and project timelines seem to run in parallel for whatever reason. That's a conceit from the original series. I can just go with that. But the, these are just two different times. And Ian's doing two, the, the same thing twice. In two different times, but apparently at the same time. <laughs> you know, I never even considered that. You're right. That's bullshit. <laughs> it's just that there's, there's nothing linked. He's not. He's not. Sorry, so there's a mystical doing it at the same time. Nuclear in a, a freak nuclear accident gave them this ability to unite the timelines. Yeah. The one thing I was missing from the Ian triple split screen was I would have wanted to see Ian like disappear, fade away uh, during the end of that. Yes. Oh, that would have been cool. Telling right. us that the uh, future nuclear winter future was averted. But it, it's another yeah. one of those things that it's such a cool moment and the split screen is so cool and it highlights, again, the fantastic work that Mason did to create three different characters. Yeah. Mason and the writers to, do, to create three distinctly different characters. And I know when the casual fans watch it, they'll just go, wow, this is cool. They're, they're doing it three times across three different timelines. Awesome. And not that many people will stop and think, but, but it's not the same time. That's, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it evoked the memory of uh, All Good Things, where Picard yes. was trying to do the same thing at the same time in three separate timelines. So I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah, it, it, it evoked that for me as well. Um, but at least in All Good Things, we had 
uh, Q was kind of maybe do it, but again, that didn't really make that much sense. Um, there's, there's issues with all good things as well. All, all good things with the the anomaly that travels backward in time, but they've got to get the ship to it before it starts going backward in time, and they get to it after it was created. Yeah, um, let's yeah, we we could have a whole other podcast about <laughs> all good things approach to time travel. <laughs> Trekaholic, another Star Trek podcast. It's not a good look for a show to be aping all good things. All this being said, I'd much rather a good story yes. than perfect yeah. time travel science. So Completely. I think story wins out every time. And and I think they nailed the story. Yeah. And that's why, like I say, I want to highlight, I love that moment with, with the three Ians. So good. It was a fudge, but it was it was worth it. It really made me want Funko to pick up the Quantum Leap license because I want yes. all the different Ians from all the different time periods. <laughs> three Ians. <laughs> they can have little buttons. Like, <laughs> like a triple pack. Like the three the three traveling ghosts from uh, Haunted Mansion. I want the three Ian pack from Funko. And I, I love that Ian has a has a private joke with themselves in the code. That's just so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got to admit, I'm glad you guys liked it. It's still, to me, one of the weak parts of the episode. I think it was completely unnecessary. They just did it to throw in some kind of magic slash mysticism slash um, maybe bigger picture stuff. So maybe we're alluding to some kind of spiritualism that might come into play in the second season. I don't know. I, I just didn't think that it fit. I just felt like it was kind of there for the sake of drama. And actual time travel science might be different than what our limited 21st century brains can comprehend even, so they might be getting it right where we can't comprehend it right. Again, a very kind interpretation, sir. Yes. <laughs> but this begs the question, okay? So, crisis averted, Ian hits both buttons, Ben gets set back to 2018, Magic is somehow still alive, even though Magic was killed when Martinez was was in him. But okay, I'll, I'll take it for granted that Magic is back in the picture. Um, Ian did something to merge some timelines or something. The quantum bubble is now secure. So they're going to keep leaping as if nothing happened, right? Martinez failed, essentially. So does that mean that, okay, number one, is the world going to go to shit? And yeah. number two... Are they ever going to put Ziggy back online? Because Martinez said, and this was I, the most brilliant twist of the freaking episode. I'm sitting here saying, why doesn't he just kill Addison? She's right there. He's got a gun. What does he care about keeping up appearances at this point? But then the twist was... I had Ziggy run their probabilities. Every scenario in which Addison dies, one of you, Magic, Ian, Jen, you, one of you always manages to keep the program alive. My mission was to neutralize the threat that time travel poses to the future of humanity. Corner Ziggy, all of you have to die. And therefore, he's sabotaging the entire accelerator, which to me was just like, wow, that is cool. And it's so in keeping with characters because I think they really would all try because they're that dedicated. So we boot Ziggy back up in this preserved reality that Ziggy was trying to destroy by literally straight up murdering all of them. What does that do to Ziggy's character here? Can Ziggy ever be trusted? Because Ziggy comes back online. What the hell are you guys still doing here? I, I, I sent someone to kill you. Where, 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 where do we go with Ziggy in season two? Or is that going to be hand-waved away? Like, what, what do you guys think of that? What's going to happen with the government now as well? Because if, if things just keep playing out as they do, the government's still not going to trust the project and is just going to send back another Marine. So really, the second Martinez died, another Marine should have just appeared out of nowhere in Salvation and then killed Ben. Oh, wow. 
That would have been crazy. Yeah, right? This is, <laughs> now we're getting into like T5 territory here. But yes. uh, I'm thinking like this. They're saying that because uh, Magic had that whole speech where, you know, people are a weakness, but it's been connection to people that makes you the kind of bleeper the quantum accelerator can depend on. So is it going to be the accelerator versus Ziggy? Since the accelerator... Not Ziggy is depending on Ben to put right what once went wrong. I mean, again, the accelerators get name dropped pretty heavily in this episode as some kind of sentient force, or maybe that's the only way that they can think to describe it. But it just struck me as a very odd choice, mm. very odd choice. And this leaves Ziggy out on a ledge somewhere. I think from Judgment Day combined with the events of the Friendly Skies or Friendly Skies, um, that Ziggy is effectively written off and there w will not be any Ziggy moving forward because I think like uh, was it Dean that mentioned that having a super intelligent computer that knew everything limited the writing and I think they showed us uh, what the team would do without Ziggy which is you know rely on the internet and the whole team trying to pull together the information and working together versus just Ziggy always having the answer. I don't know. I kind of I kind of got bored with that after the second time where they were basically focused on doing that. So I would miss Ziggy as a presence somehow, even though it's been only a presence in name yeah. this season. I, I just feel like Quantum Leap without a Ziggy. I, I don't know. I don't know how I – they'd have to convince me. Let's put it that way. Like I said over the last couple episodes, tell me the fact that Ziggy's the mole isn't dumb. I'm still waiting <laughs> to be convinced on that, you know? And now they're saying that Ziggy's a straight up, you know, the agent of their destruction here. So wh wh where do we go with the character from here? Lots to look forward to next season. I guess. Now, I mean, how about that look from Addison on the last scene, guys? <laughs> <laughs> what was it? What was it? Was that her seeing Sam uh, leap back into the chamber? I, Sam or Ben? Or I thought Sam. Ben was, you know, I thought it was a foregone conclusion that Ben was coming home. Uh, but now I'm seeing a little bit of doubt. <laughs> there was a smile of anticipation and then like a look of confusion and disappointment. So, and uh, I think we heard from, uh, was it Martin in your interview yesterday? Uh, that yeah. the storyline for season two was so good that that's why NBC uh, renewed it early and started production immediately after the end of season one. And Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but pretty much everyone was barred from the set for the first couple episodes of season two. So that might give us a clue as to what's going on. Yeah, some something big happens in 201. Something very big. So one plus one is seven, and I'm thinking Sam. <laughs> <laughs> mm. One plus one is Sam. That's a new t-shirt. Get on that Fate's Wide Wheel. You got all the t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I don't know, I think this this is, I think maybe you're overanalyzing it, and... That's my job. Yeah, uh, mine too. But I think in this case, it's as simple as Addison's hoping Ben gets home and then she realizes that he's not. And that's that's all that look is. And 201 is going to be big, but not big because Scott Bakula's in it. It's, it's just my assumption. Didn't they say 201 was going to be the biggest episode, even bigger than the finale? So yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, they're really they're really hyping it. So we got months to wait and if it's Sam, that'd be terrific. Uh that's of course where everybody's going to, you know, the speculation is always going to go to Scott until Scott is on that screen. Speculation will always go to Scott first. Yeah. So I I'm not sure that um I disagree with that anticipation because it's a nice anticipation to have and I know it's not going to happen, so I'm not even going to be let down when it's not him, <laughs> but I still feel like it could be him. Maybe yeah. you're saying that so it does happen though. So this is one case where I hope the production photos aren't released ahead of time of Scott Bakula in a Fermi suit. Yes. 
Well, I don't know how much more I have to dissect from Judgment Day. Guys, you have any issues that we have not discussed? Uh, Ian's wig? <laughs> but, uh, beyond that, no. I thought that was just better left unsaid. <laughs> yes. Bangs are always a bad idea, be it wigs or real hair. Uh, did you guys notice that 2018 Addison was so much hotter than 2023 Addison? <laughs> Just a different kind of hot. They're both yeah, hot. Yeah, they're both very beautiful. They're both hot. And now we we just sound like every douchebag fan cast <laughs> out there with three jerks talking about how hot the chicks are. Uh. But yeah, guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She just seemed more approachable to me. I, I she seemed more human, less tough, and 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 you know all shooty gunny. But she was shooty gunny towards the end of the episode too. You just got a thing for denim, denim and ponytails. I do. And and cotton sundresses or whatever that was. Big shout out to the wardrobe department, the costume department. They did really good, I thought, with the whole season, but especially this episode. Yes. And also big shout out to Caitlin, because those were two distinct characters on screen. Yeah. Standing side by side. I mean, we talk a lot about Ian and um, Mason's performances, three Ians in this, but let's not gloss over the two Caitlins. Two Caitlins and two Nanressas. Both really solid performances. Really good. Uh, I like the split screens they did with the two Addisons. And uh, while I was watching this, of course, my uh, male brain went to, uh, of course, Ben, you know, with time travel, was thinking at some point, uh, two Addisons at once. Albie, Albie, Albie. He was thinking Ben Sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) So I just love that whole part. So one one last lingering question that I hope that they address in season two is that Magic tells Ben that I risk everything. To bring Sam home. What did he mean by that? Because we really haven't seen anything from before Ben's leap here. So if there is an element of some kind of fight, some kind of risk, some kind of stakes that Magic had to go through to get this project up and running, I want to see that. I want to see that laid out. And it just that would also help maybe keep a link to the uh, legacy series alive and to give a deeper connection between the two. Because Magic is that bridge. He's the logical yeah. bridge for all of that. And based on what Martin said in the interview, they are going to have different dynamics that help strengthen and sort of give depth to the characters back at the project. And he said, what did he say? Something like, so they're not just jokey exposition machines. Yes. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm hoping that what Magic said in that cell, in we, we finally saw it, Guantanamo Bay makes, makes yeah. the screen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping that what Magic said in that cell somehow plays out in his arc in the next season as well. Well, that's the thing. I'm so excited that we've seen all of this so far and it's only season one. Like the possibilities of the next few seasons just amaze me. And I think we'll get there. I really do. Yeah. See, season ones are always shaky and we know this had a shake up behind the scenes early on, which can't have helped. But it shows so much potential and it's finished on such a high that uh, it's just, yeah, season two is going to be something else. Well, that being said, uh, like so many TV shows, uh, the first one, two seasons aren't that great. I was super impressed by season one of Quantum Leap. And uh, if they did that good in season one, I can't wait for the future seasons. Yeah, you guys, you're not wrong. I mean, season one was exceptionally strong in many areas, but there were some problems with it. And I think that any problems that season one had can be laid directly at the feet of the mystery box trope. Any problems that I had with this season can always be traced back to bullshit mystery box nonsense. And 
this episode showed that you don't really need that to have an engaging thing. We finally got Martinez's goal. What would it have hurt for us to know that throughout, know what Ben was fighting against? It would have made it much more dramatic. It would have made it much more impactful. And this episode, as terrific as it was, would have been even better because we finally would have gotten some catharsis instead of just, oh, that's the answer. So yes. I'm really glad that they seem to be alluding, Martin did anyway, that he alluded during the interview that we did with him that, you know, we might be moving away from this type of storytelling, introducing a different dynamic back at the project. And damn it, once they let go of this nonsense, these characters are established. They are terrific. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the show in the second season is going to be something to watch. I'm telling you. And maybe that's just my my take on it, because it's a style of TV that I enjoy better. But that being said, I'm filled with nothing but hope for season two. I think that season one had its strengths. I think that all the strengths were on display in spades in this episode. And I think that what we saw here bode so well for season two. I just, I just can't wait. I just can't wait. I, for one, I know some of you were uh, poo-pooing the mystery box uh, aspect of season one, but I really enjoyed it and was on board the whole time. I really enjoyed the whole season-long arc and, and the mystery and what's going to happen and why is it all happening. I really enjoyed that, and I enjoyed Georgina Riley's character, uh, Janice, being like the main focus of that. One maybe thing I was missing from the finale was the resolution of Janice's storyline, because she was supposed to know everything and have all the information at the end. And pretty much she did, but it was just handled in a way it was like, yeah, that's what's happening. And it seemed like a little bit of a disappointment for the amount of buildup her character had. Yeah, that's another thing I'm hoping they sort of put a bow on and expand on in uh, 201 when we come back for the new season. Hopefully we see Georgina Riley back for season two. I'd love to see her be a part of the main cast because I just love her in this show. Same. I, I assumed way back near the start that since she was a, a recurring guest and since she was so tied into the mystery box that episode 18 would be her final one. And it doesn't look like that. And yeah, like you, I just, I find, I find her performance very watchable. Uh, she's, it's, a, it's an interesting character and she's just, she lights up the screen whenever she's on it. So I really, I'm glad that they've left it open for her to return in season two. And I really hope as a regular. Yeah, as as am I. I. I fully expected her to be integrated into the main cast by the end of this yeah. episode, to be honest I, I with did you. not, but, but um, yeah, looks like I was wrong. So, um, Albie, that's a great point about Georgina. Do you have any other final thoughts about season one or about this episode in general? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a perfect way to end our discussion of Judgment Day. So we have season one of Quantum Leap in the books, but we are not done yet because when we come back from the break, we will be speaking with Raymond, Caitlin, and Nan Rissa. So stay tuned. We'll see you on the flip side. The QLP is brought to you by listeners like you. Please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast and give as much as you can. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be a contributor to the quantum leap podcast. It goes to covering our server cost and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you. If you are trans and experiencing a crisis or you know someone who is, please call Trans Lifeline at 877-565-8860. Or visit translifeline.org for help. That number again is 877-565-8860. Or visit translifeline.org 
for help. Hello, this is Martin Garrow. You're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Hey, guys, uh, so let's count the holograms this season. Um, <laughs> does, does, does Ian count as twice, right? So Ian counts as two. Yeah. And Caitlin counts as a million. And we got <laughs> finally Magic and Jen went in as yeah. well. So hi, everybody. We're back. We're back. But hey. uh, yeah, we forgot. Matt, this is like so important for Beyond the Mirror Image. I, I can't believe you didn't like keep a, a hologram spreadsheet somewhere. Uh, who who's, who says I haven't? And Janice, we, we oh, got that's a right. of Janice. Janice, the yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to reach you all day about your car's warranty. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just the, the geekery never ends. It just goes down and down and down and down, and uh, we'll always find something else to talk about. But uh, we have to stop because before the break, we made you a promise, and we are going to make it on it. Here is our interview with Raymond Lee. Caitlin Bassett, and Nanrissa Lee. Hello, Leapers. It's Chris, and today I'm joined by Matt and Albie, and we are absolutely thrilled to be bringing you an interview with most of the main cast of Quantum Leap. Joining us today is Raymond Lee, Nanrissa Lee, and Caitlin Bassett. Welcome back to the Quantum Leap Podcast, Ray, Nanrissa, Caitlin. It's so great to have you back on. Yay. Happy to be back. Thank you. Hi. Totally. Hi, friends. <laughs> Here to celebrate the end of a successful season. Congratulations. We made it. It's yeah. 118 is airing tomorrow night uh, as we're recording. And you guys are already in the thick of filming season two. This is, this is a great time to be a leaper. <laughs> yeah, lots of fun stuff coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't wait to uh, try to get spoilers out of you. You know, yes. fingers crossed. Maybe not. But uh, I'll tell you right now. Before um, we go to season, season two, two. it's all about just we've killed Ray. Caitlin's the leaper, and <laughs> I am now the hologram. So it's kind of like God yeah. and me and Lacey dynamic oh, now. Awesome. You know? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Don't like tell me. I'd watch that. Murdering. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, oh, repeatedly, uh, and then and then Martin is now the new leaper. Um, oh, I spoiled it! I spoiled it. <laughs> well, Martin, you have to never see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> Ray, you're probably getting a lot more sleep now, so that's good. But uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> But getting back to season one. So, I mean, when we first spoke to you guys, it was so freaky because Caitlin, especially, I think we spoke to you probably weeks before the season even premiered. And uh, there was not a lot that you guys could say about your characters, about the season arc, about anything. So we're here on the other end of it. And um, so much is, has come to pass. So maybe we can we can start with, with Ray. We'd just like to talk about um, sort of the character arcs for the season. Was it what you had um, anticipated? And, um, you know, what were like the highlights for you this season when you were learning how to do this new quantum leap and learning to inhabit these characters? Um, Um, I know that's a very broad question, but I know you guys like to talk. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean, um, I learned so much, not only about the show, um, about my character, about the relationships in the show, but I think what was really fun for me to track in particular was how Ben pieces together his memory again and how that 
ends up affecting him and his relationship with Addison and his relationship to the world and exploring all the different themes that our show had to explore. And I mean, it's to chart that journey uh, was really fun because I've I've never played somebody with uh, Swiss cheese memory or, you know, I just, and, and then I knew that the journey would be eventually to, to piece back almost all of his memory. So that was really exciting. Um, and how that just affect, like, and eventually I knew that like Ben would find his way back into headquarters somehow, uh, because, you know, we have to bookend this, um, and it wasn't peppered in much throughout the course of the season. So that was also really exciting to, to remember what we did in that first scene and then to try to replicate that at the very end, uh, and to somehow find uh, the nuances within that too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I learned so many things, but I, I think the memory was a really fun part of it as a, as an actor tracking that journey. How about you, Nanderson? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, for Jen, I think the biggest arc for her in the season was, was really sort of just where she sort of found her place within the team. I think there, because, because she has, she has a different uh, background. It's just, she, she, she didn't have the same lives that, that her teammates had before she came into the program. I think um, there was always a little piece of her that maybe felt like she maybe wasn't quite the good guy that everybody else is. And I think over the course of that season, you know, of the season, we, we find that. Yeah. I think there was also just emotional growth for, for her in terms of um, letting herself be vulnerable. Yeah. We, we had noticed that because uh, we went from Jen being somewhat of a stalwart and basically magic's uh, right hand to the end of the series or the end of this, this season anyway. And we have that wonderful moment where Jen becomes the hologram again and she confronts Ben as he's trying to complete the mission. But you have that, that, that breakdown and uh, it, w- it was such an effective scene. And I don't think we could have imagined Jen doing that in the first few episodes. It just wasn't who she was. So the evolution yeah. of the character really came through there. I don't think Jen could have imagined Jen doing yeah. that in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> she was too cool for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Caitlin, you have probably the coolest role of all because you get to go into both worlds. I mean, you're always on the leaps with Ben and um, you're always back at the control room with the rest of the team. So I feel like um, you have double duty uh, more than any characters because you have to thread the needle between both timelines. And uh, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's one of my favorite parts of my role in the show um, is that I get to live in both worlds. Um, and I think it's really cool on Addison's journey as, you know, earlier on in the series, she's just so desperate. She's just like, my, my job is to get him back. That's what we're that's what we're here to do. But then as that becomes more complicated and more things are revealed, she has to lean more on her team and her family. And I think that's really where the show started to find it's the heart of HQ is when you saw the family of HQ come together. And what I'm so excited about in this finale is you finally get to see 
the family intact, right? Like what it would have been like had been not made the decisions been made. Um, and I think it was just a brilliant utilization of, I mean, the cast when it comes to who they are now and who they were then. Uh, and, and you finally got to see like who we were, where we were going and what this has now done to us, but we're still this family. So it's just, it, it's one of the most exciting things. Um, I think that this season delivered and I'm really excited to expand on that in season two. Chris asked about uh, questions about the kind of the character arcs throughout the season. I'm, I'm really interested as well in your development, I guess, as, and, and your experiences as, as people over the last year, the, the, the five of you and the, the three of you particularly obviously come together, not knowing each other, not having worked together before, I don't think, and have all gone from creating this show uh, that had been dead for 30 years, uh, sort of bringing it back to life and making it a household name again. So can you tell me about what that was like for all of you, getting to know each other and building those those personal relationships? And that's to all of you at once. Ooh, what a question. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Fearless leader? Would you- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think it's impossible to sum up because we're still in that journey. Um, and it's hard to, uh, you know, it's not one of those things yet where I've unpacked really because, you know, we're still on it. And, uh, you know, when we go on a proper hiatus, I will have some time to reflect on <laughs> what all that means. But, you know, I feel very fortunate to be with the group that I'm with because it felt right from day one when we were all in Vancouver and we had a table read and we were rehearsing uh, in the hotel room conference. And, and then we were just, I think we were just giddy with excitement on, on the prospect of how exciting this all could be, seeing how talented each other were and, and just how exciting uh, the excitement was palpable. And, you know, once we started doing it, it's impossible to know how, how it's all going to land, but it's it, somehow it all felt right. And, you know, I was there, Caitlin's very first scene ever as a professional actor and to see her journey. Uh, it's just incredible. Every single one of us, we've had such, you know, many things have happened in our lives and throughout the course of this year, um, you know, and I think we've, I, I, I you know, I'm not... I'm now with the whole gang all the time, but we do have outings every now and again, and we get to meet like this in the virtual space. And, you know, I, every day I'm fall, I fall more in love with each individual and getting to do a scene with Ernie. I'm like, wow, I don't, I didn't know what this was like. And, you know, getting to be with Nenris and the leaps, I'm like, I didn't know this is what we were. And, and, and the, you know, it's just, I think we set the table for a really exciting journey ahead because we just, we can only go deeper and we're only scratching the surface. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still unpacking. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, we just haven't, it's crazy that we haven't taken the foot off the gas yet. <laughs> I think for people who haven't been in this position or never will be like being an actor on a TV show, it's, it's, um, it's, it's insane. It's like the wildest ride because you get thrown into all of these situations that are kind of big deal situations that you've never been in before. And that has been, you know, we just did WonderCon last weekend, which is the first 
convention I've ever been to. So for the first convention I've ever been to, to like have a security detail and like a press rotation and like a whole panel, you know, it's, it's crazy. But I think for me, you know, there's, that's kind of like the fun and flashy aspect of it. Like the, the, by far the best thing has been just the people. I think we, like, we've been so fortunate for the cast that we have, for the people that we work with above and below the line. Everybody is just like a freaking gem of a human. And I think like Ray said, as time progresses and as we get to spend more and more time together, you know, we, that really has solidified. I think unfortunately with Ray, we don't get to shoot with him as often as, as we would all like to, at least I don't, Caitlin does. Sorry, Caitlin. <laughs> but, but, um, <laughs> but I, but, you know, headquarters, yeah. it's like, I almost feel bad for when a new director comes in because headquarter days, we're all so used to, you know, being around each other and we get giddy and we're kind of all over each other and whispering in each other's ear. And like, you know, they're like, and action. And we're like, mm -hmm, yep, do the thing, do the thing. But like, really, we just love freaking hanging out together. That's been huge. I think the other thing that's been huge is like, um, is, is you spend so much of your time as an actor when you're not working uh, for me, at least questioning if you can actually do it. And, and then, and then you find out you freaking can. So that's all <laughs> Pretty great. <laughs> I love Nan Rose's song. You're amazing. That's the best. Just resident goober. Caitlin, did you have a? Well, Albie had. A, Albie was going to ask a question. Uh, I, I wanted to ask a question about Judgment Day. Uh, like one of my favorite parts of the new Quantum Leap and throughout season one has been the relationship between uh, Ben and Addison, and specifically the romantic relationship. I love those little moments you two have where it's kind of like the flirting and the restarting the relationship because of Ben loss of the memory and everything. And uh, for people like me that love to follow that story, Judgment Day was amazing to get to see uh, the first date all over again. And can you talk about mm -hmm. filming those scenes and, and that whole storyline and even the technical aspects of it? Yeah. Yeah. The technical, especially because we had um, dueling Addison's in a lot of scenes. <laughs> Did I had a wonderful double named <laughs> who was a phenomenal? Uh, she was a great actress uh, and very weirdly similar to me, which was I guess good for a double. Um, <laughs> uh, and and yeah, so we we filmed it with a third. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> What's it been like to play that romantic relationship with each other? Um, you know. It, it, it felt like a moments that we were doing a completely different show um, because all of a sudden we were shooting a rom-com um, mm. and, you know, and it, it had, we have moments of that throughout the season in each episode where we find a connection and there is a spark of to, to a window into like what was and what is and what could be. But it's the first time that we see them, as as two people falling in love and going from moment to moment and it was a lot of fun you know <laughs> like i know uh, it, like and just to see also caitlin looking completely different you know with with her with your hair hanging down with wearing a pink dress you know like you don't we just haven't seen this addison yet and 
you know, it's, and, and I think we had the whole room in stitches at some point because we were just kind of going off and doing, you know, improvising lines and, you know, it just felt like we were on a different show for a little while, um, in the best way. Uh, and it's, it's great also too, like that we can get to do that with this show. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was really, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think it was maybe my favorite thing we've shot. Maybe not the whole, like, but certainly my favorite Ben and Addison moment of the sea, the season, I think. Yeah. Um, and to Ray's point, it did feel like we were on a different show. And what was cool is I got to act in both sides. So when I acted, when we were in 2018, Addison, it felt like a completely different show. Like, like I was like this, and, and, it, and it was a completely different relationship. And it was really cool to be able to anchor on to a different version of a person talking to a different version of a person than I had been talking to for a whole year of work. And then when I flipped to the, hologram side what was cool was not only to watch that happen because i luckily and i asked for it i wanted to do the earlier version first i wanted to do the the past me first because i knew that hologram me had to react to what happened between ben and and past addison and if i you know i couldn't plan those reactions you know you can't plan it you got to react to what happened so i had to do what happened and then do the reaction to that. <laughs> but that was really cool because that felt like I was half in our show. Like, and there were moments of like, Oh, look at this sweet little, Hey, get it together. <laughs> <laughs> they are. And it was just, it was so fun. And, and I have to give it to Ray. Like Ray had me dying because <laughs> it was, it was so, it was honestly hard to get through that scene because he was hilarious. And he's just sitting there like just handling both things as an actor beautifully as a person horribly <laughs> and it was it was just just some spectacular work on his end um and it was yeah i mean not many actors get to play in two timelines in the same scene so i'm i was like are you are you kidding me this is the coolest the coolest thing yeah. let me talk with my hands <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was, I was curious about that aspect of it from Ray's side as well, because, Ray, you often are reacting to Addison, you know, like Soto Voce, right? And then there's someone else in front of you, but Addison's in front of you and Addison's over here. And I know that it's not sort of like the same dynamic where there is an actual actor doing the lines that you're reacting to. So you're reacting to Addison in two different ways in two different time periods. So it's just fascinating to me how seamless it all looked. Because it's you're this and this and this and this, and obviously you're in two different takes there. So the way they edited it together was was amazing. But was that a specific challenge to to try to get that as integrated as possible? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely had to do a little more homework than going into other scenes that are more straightforward. Um, but essentially past Addison also doesn't know that I, I have a hologram with me. So she, she's, I have to still pretend like this is a person that right. I can't reveal anything to. So essentially that rule doesn't change. The hardest adjustment for me, because, uh, the actress doubling Caitlin, she was more soft-spoken than Caitlin. Everyone is more soft-spoken than Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so it was kind of jarring. <laughs> it, was, it was jarring um, to be acting with past Addison and then 
have Addison's double. And I'm like, okay, that's what I, and then we would switch around and then now I'd be reacting to, and the volume was just, it was just punched up and the intensity was coming. So I'm like, I'm, I'm glad we got to like, just like hop back and forth in that because had we done everything one direction with me, just past Addison, past Addison, past Addison, I, I would have lost that and I should have known better. Uh, but it was just, it was just bop. But but it was just it was like yeah um essentially I didn't have to do much acting on that end because it was just you know Caitlin brings and she was coming off of like I think you had like a good like time to like you, you had like four days or three days off or something right like you were coming back from the weekend I think we were shooting on a Monday yeah you were like woo I am so I got so much I am ready I was like oh my god I have to deal with Caitlin with that energy past Addison with her energy current Addison with this energy and I'm just like I'm I, whatever if there was uh, any sort of me being um just uh just thrown for a loop that was not acting uh i was really discombobulated <laughs> um yeah a lot of fun that day <laughs> i have to ask about the kissing scene uh, that that final kiss even, even though it's still 2018 addison but you, you you still get the kiss and, and make contact and it's been like we've been hoping for that all season because the hologram, of course, can't touch you, and you're always trying to touch. So, what was that kiss like? And everybody cheering in the background, and Ian saying, "I like it," and all that stuff. Which was improvised. Really? By wow! The <laughs> you're kidding. <laughs> it nice and awesome. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, it was cathartic in a way. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know if you could hear her. She's screaming. My daughter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, it, I was, I was very nervous, um, as, as Ben, as, as Ray, you know, it just, you know, this, this has to happen. Uh, we've been wanting it to happen and how, how are we going to make this happen? And we didn't, it wasn't really planned out really. We didn't really block it much. You know, we just set the marks and they said, go. And, you know, we just, we just went for it. And then, it sort of started like um, evolving too, right? Like we had the files in hand and the files would drop or like they would get slapped out of the hand, you know, like it just started taking on its own shape. And, you know, what ended up becoming was, at least for me, just a really beautiful moment of a, a cathartic release, uh, almost mm -hmm. a, an exhale of like, ah, mm -hmm. you know, I get to touch you. And I get to mm -hmm. kiss you and I, we get to be in the same space present together. So, um, yeah, I, it, it was, uh, it was, it was lovely. Uh, for, it was interesting for me because I was, I was in past Addison mode, mm -hmm. which you have to have, like, I had a, I had a theater teacher that one time said, um, he called it selective amnesia. Where like before a scene, you kind of got to drop a lot of what you know to, to be present in like the circumstance. So, there was a lot of me that had to drop like, I was like, this, this relationship with this Addison and that Ben is still newer. We're coworkers that obviously really like each other. You know what I mean? Um, so I really had to like try and hold on to that reality so that I didn't sell a different thing or else, you know, it's going to look too comfortable too like, it should be like a, a bit of a surprise, but it was, I mean, it was, a. but as we finally found it, you can't help but know. And then like, 
Nanrissa and Ernie and Mason are just being ridiculous in the background. <laughs> so, and it, it's our job, like, Caitlin. It's our job. Fun and, and cathartic. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> and, and it just felt, it felt like so earned more than earned after the season. Uh, which was like, and you know, when you have a camera guy spinning around you and a kiss and you're like, this might be chase ball, but like, it didn't feel like it. It felt earned. It felt lovely. It felt like friends and lovers and, and, and a whole year of work. Um, but I will also say since Ray's been so helpful in, in, in these interviews that morning, speaking of his lovely daughter, who you just heard in the background, the first thing out of Ray's mouth to me is, my daughter sneezed in my mouth last night. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first that morning that we're doing. <laughs> I am I am the bringer of all germs to set. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. We didn't get sick. Didn't no. Get sick. That's good. Yeah. That's good. In watching that scene, I couldn't help but be reminded of the pilot and the engagement party where we see them touch hands for the last time. And then uh, my mind jumped immediately to Salvation or Bust, where you're sidling up to Ben, so clearly wanting to jump his bones. And <laughs> it, it's just like it, it you don't know it because you're in the season and it's going so gradually. But then once you get to that moment, it's like, oh, my God, this has been building for so long. So I, I just, you know, was that something that you think also happened organically between you as the season went on? Or is that something that you kind of planned out in your head? of Where are we going to be here? Where are we going to be here? Where are we going to be here? I'm, I'm just curious to know, like, the process or, you know, or even if there is a process. For me, um. Well, truthfully, we didn't know where we were going. <laughs> I, I think there, that, that, that requires an amount of foresight and like episodes written that we just weren't. So I think what at least I did was just try and go on the journey step by step. And luckily they wrote those moments in. Um, but uh, so I do think it happened organically. The answer is A. Um, I do think there was an organic growth of who this couple is, who they were and who they are now. And as I said before, you know, I tried really hard to stay in past Addison, but I mean, the truth is, is like, you can't help but live the life that we've lived and do the year that we've done to have the relationship that I have. And, and I think in a cool way, similar to, um, episode 15 SOS when I was talking to uh, Brandon Routh, who played my father, where the rules seem to be a little, well, you can't, he can't hear you, but maybe a little bit he can. And I do think there was a version of like, Pass Addison can't possibly know what's to come, what this relationship's going to be, what because we, had, we fa- had to find that out throughout the season as actors and as characters. But there is a little bit of truth of like, maybe she did a little. And so maybe it's a little okay that, that, that the weight of that kiss wasn't just the first kiss that they had, which is already a big, big thing. But it was the first kiss that they had that felt like the biggest kiss that they had. And I think that I hope that came across and, and it felt like it did. And I, it was almost like a little sad after. I remember Ray and I after would like, we just gave each other like a little squeeze, like, 
we got there. Interesting. I, I never even considered that wrinkle that, but you're right. That's a completely different Addison that didn't go through any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it still came across that way on screen. So I guess, you know, as fans, we were looking for it, hoping for it. Good. And you guys, I hope it, it did. You shouldn't have been, yeah. you know what I mean? That's, yeah. That was, that was what we were hoping for. Nanrissa, and talking about uh, Judgment Day and that kissing scene and everything happening, uh, that brings up the whole uh, 2018 grunge era Project Quantum Leap headquarters. And you and uh, Mason uh, and and that whole quiz team, uh, Aguilera, and that whole situation and Turtle Time. Can you talk a little about that? About that? That was so fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I think... um, I think, you know, we had some ideas that like, what was Jen in 2018 and when, what was the dynamic like there? Mm. And, and, uh, and I was really pleased with what we came up with. I think the word of right, she, she's a bit younger. She's a, a, a bit greener, a little more rough and tumble, you know? And so I had a great time with Genevieve, our, our, um, our costume designer kind of piecing that together and with Misa in makeup, figuring all of that fun stuff out. Um, and then when I saw Ian, 2018 Ian I mean I almost lost it so like you know half the time like Chris Grismer who directed (laughs) that episode is a brilliant director um was had 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 said that we looked like uh an 80s like German like pop band or punk band or something and so we spent half the episode just speaking Mm -hmm. in like German Mm -hmm. accents Mason's German (laughs) accent is fantastic if they come back on the show ask them to do it because they're fantastic at it mine is uh, not so much, but I tried. I tried, and so so uh, I think I think I was Please. really excited. Go, go ahead. About- <laughs> it was not. I'm scared to do it here. It was very. It was a lot of things about like, <laughs> oh, we're German. Oh, don't look at us. We are on our way to school. You know, just things like that. Um, um, but I think so we, we German. Both- <laughs> yes. Yes. Very coy. Um, uh, we spent a lot of time just sort of. I think. <laughs> goofing off like um uh in between takes and weirdly enough i think that it actually helped like for the energy of 2018 um ian and jen Uh, yeah i was going to ask about that because everybody had to make these subtle shifts but you guys were so i I don't want to say over the top but so blatantly different Mm -hmm. as characters did it make it easier to play a different version of yourself I especially love the the, mm. the eye makeup. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Misa did a great job with that. Um, I think uh, I don't know that it was easier. You know, we didn't really discuss it very much. It's just something that I think is particularly between Mason and I that we just sort of fell into. I mean, of course, like you, you know you see the dialogue and, and, and the interactions and sort of the compositions of scenes. But I, I, I think it was, it was, it felt pretty organic, honestly. Um, and then the dynamic between the team is, it was so too, fun. Right. I think the first time I saw you and Mason in the new regalia was when I was, I was held up in the cube and then y'all burst mm-hmm. in, right. To like come in. And I, I remember, taking a picture of you, I, 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 you know, I showed it to you, like the, just how you looked in rehearsals when you were just barging in. And it was, it was, it was Jen, but it was younger Jen. Like you were saying a little bit more rough around the edges, just a little bit more higher energy. And I was like, Whoa, like what is going on? And, and I, I, 
I, I rarely take pictures of our, my scene partner in during rehearsals, but I was like, what is happening here? Let me just, <laughs> I have some, I have great, yeah, I have some great pictures of you just entering the scene. Um, yeah, yeah. Like new look, new energy, like tougher vibe, just like all of it was, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much like prep you did, but I definitely felt it on this end and being like, whoa, this is wild. Um, yeah. Oh, thanks, Ray. I honestly, you know, now listening to you talk about it, I think, Probably this is this is random and like surface, but I think some of it had to do with the shoes because they they put me in Jordans like oh, it was just dude. like versus, you, you know, usually uh-huh. I wear like a four or five inch heel and like I can't walk that fast in a five inch yeah. heel, but in a Jordan I can come screaming yeah. in, you know, and so oh. Shoes are, shoes are everything. Shoes are what informs. Yeah. I, 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 they say always like rehearse in the shoes that you're going to be in on the day. Right. Like, cause just, it gives you so much more. Um, it just informs so much about the character. Um, yeah, I, I think so too. I think, and those Jordans were fly. Like they were like, they were, yeah, they were like a piece. Yeah. 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 So fun. I would also say that as a leaper, uh, shoes are double important for you, Ray, because uh, you might be in heels one day. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally, and 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 that's the that's the that's the stuff, right? Like, uh, you know, in the um, in the um, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the title of that episode. Ben Ben song, ben song for the defense. Ben song for the defense. That's right. Yeah, and uh, you know those those heels really informed. It, it wasn't a specific character choice. Those shoes hurt so much that the only way that I can get from here to there is by like trying to like just go as fast as possible. And it's almost like ripping the bandaid off with every step. Like if I'm going to go from here to there, I'm just going to run and just scamper and then just, just go. And then it kind of ended up becoming a, a character choice, which eventually served for the purposes of that leap, like served me really well to just know where this person lives and in a constant state of tightness because of all the case files and just the stress of being in a courtroom. Mm -hmm. And like, just it's just every step is painful until you like eventually remove the shoes and you're like, ah, here I am now with my, with my, you know, my girlfriend is okay. Maybe I can relax here. And then, and then back to this. And so shoes have so much of a part in creating a role. So I get it, Nance. (laughs) Since we're on Ben's song for the defense, I wanted to ask because uh, obviously we've touched on this. Um, as viewers, we are used to seeing all of you on screen, but it is very rare to see the two of you working together or was until that point. So um, can you tell me a little bit about what it was like getting to work together properly for the first time and the the comic uh, vibe that the two of you had off each other? What was that like discovering? <laughs> I, I wasn't surprised. I think knowing Ray in person and what I, and the energy that I get from Ray and knowing myself, <laughs> I just, I knew that there was going to be a lot of opportunity for some, uh, uh, co- you know, comedic back and forth and, 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 and watching Ray's work, you know, Ray's comedic timing is so good. His physicality is so good. And his physical comedy is so good that I knew that like, it would just, we would just come in and it would just be like, you know, and I think we had a great time. I, we, that episode got broken up a little bit because, um, because I actually, I actually got COVID 
And I don't know if I'm allowed. To, I mean, I think I am. It's my body. It's my body. My body. My choice. I actually got COVID, and so yeah. they had to push some stuff <laughs> around. So I didn't. I didn't get to um, have like the you know that sort of cohesive everyday experience with Ray that I, I had been looking forward to. But um, but you know, just like with old friends, you kind of come back and you just like drop right in. And I think uh, I suspect the dynamic between. Jen and Ben, I think that there's a lot of overlap in that dynamic and the dynamic between Ray and I in real life. I think so. I'm I'm really glad that that some of that translated. Yeah, like I, you know, when I whenever I I'm with Nanrissa, I feel I, I feel like I've known you for a long time. You know, it's like I like I don't know if it's because we're both Lees or what, but like you know, there's just like a familiarity there that I've always felt with you, and it was really nice because it, it felt more so than having like an I you know like I'm not that I'm not that like woo woo, but I believe in like um, you know when sometimes you meet somebody and it just you get along so well right away, you're like we might've known each other in a past life. I don't know. Like, because this just feels too easy, you know? And, and in that leap, there was that, you know, it's like, I, Ben doesn't remember Jen, but somehow some way, uh, and, but, you know, Addison says like, this is someone that you can trust, trust. So I'm like, okay. But there was very little reluctance as Ben to trust Jen, to be like, all right, uh, you're helping me. Let's just, I put my life in your hands. So let's do this. Help me through this leap. Um, and yeah, it was just so much fun. You know, it's, it's great. A mixing it up with a, a different energy, um, and, and B just to get to have that dynamic at play. And, um, it just made me look forward to more of that, you know, and, and just getting, and it also just helps Ben inform like, oh, these were my friends at Quantum Leap headquarters, as opposed to like, man, this was a really toxic place to work. No wonder he left or something. You know what I mean? It's like, no, this is a place that he probably, you know, and, and these are all people that he let down essentially, or made him, made them lose faith in him by doing this. And just kind of broke my heart more as Ben being like, well, I love these people so much. And the, this is another person who I had to leave behind. Um, but yeah, it, it was, um, it was a very, very fun episode. I think, uh, as far as just it being almost a screwball comedy at times, I think we really mm -hmm. nailed it. Yeah, I, I noticed that aspect of it as well, Ray, when you got to do scenes with Mason in the um, Friendly Skies episode, the second they came on set, you guys were just, uh, you know, there, like sync, like you, <laughs> you remembered them like that. And yeah. you, we always hear that they're best friends and they always say, oh, I miss my best friend. And, but when you guys got on screen, the chemistry was, oh my God, they're best friends. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, another thing that like, you know, I, I think t to a lot of uh, one another's credit, we, we're all very intuitive beings and we know this as a, as a storyline, as a plot point that they're best friends. So subconsciously, Mason and I, it was always yes anding each other from the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, Mason, you mm -hmm. want to go there? I can meet you there. How about I one up you there? It's like, oh, and then, but that's what best <laughs> friends do. 
and <laughs> impossible to one up Mason, by the way. So, you know, I had my work cut out for me a lot of those days. So a lot, you're just working at the height of your intelligence, the height of everything and in, instinct. And knowing that we've already built this um, story and this, the, the dynamic, it, it's and us being intuitive. It just, if it all felt right, you know, and uh, Mason has this incredible ability to focus in a moment at a moment's notice. And it's something that I, I cannot do. Uh, and it's impossible to, to try to wrangle Mason, right? They're, they've got so much energy coming out of every orifice. <laughs> and so it's like, <laughs> I, I just have to be as present as possible and just kind of be ready for whatever Mason throws. And it, it's, it's almost a really incredible thing that Mason has the ability to take out of your head in that way. Um, sometimes it's, it's wild to have in a scene where you need uh, just to focus more, but sometimes also too, we're taught in acting to just let go. So it's, uh, it's a great lesson that you're forced into doing um, where, okay, I just have to be present with you. I have no choice. And if my words aren't memorized for this scene, then it's going to be what it is. Um, <laughs> but it allows for you to or, or react very organically to someone like Mason because they have that. Yeah, that came across in spades on screen. So so, mm. so good job there. Ray, uh, yes. Ray, I have to ask about the fight scene across time with you and Walter Perez. Can you Can you talk about that? That was an amazing part of the episode. <laughs> How difficult was that to coordinate and shoot a, so many different locations? And just, can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, in fact, when we did our very first fight scene for that episode, we were in the episode at the asylum. And the, the episode 18 hasn't been given to us yet. So all the only thing I had were two pages of what that fight was and the dialogue in it. And just this idea that we're going to be fighting through time. So contextually, I'm just like, okay, so we're just filming a fight scene out of sequence with no context really to, to go off of. But okay, I mean, you know, we're in great hands with Grismer so, and Margarita, so let's let's just do this. And it was wild because I just had to take a break from that Asylum episode to fight for like half a day. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> It, it ended up becoming a really, really great working relationship with Walter because, you know, we got very lucky that not only is he great at what he does, but he also is very good with his body. He has great coordination. He was trained uh, as a boxer at one point. He's a dancer. And this is just the perfect alchemy for anybody you want as a dance partner. And he was very quick to get onto these things because... You know, if you're not working with um, a stunts person, you just have an actor, it can be very random, their skill set. And you don't know what they could be capable of because even within the choreography, there's storytelling. And that's sometimes you can't, you, you get come across an actor where they can't do both. They could do one, but they can't do the storytelling. So they have to just get in real tight and just get reaction shots. But you know, with Walter, we got really lucky because he was very good at all of these things and um, has a great presence on screen. He's kind of the person that, you, you, you know, inscrutable at times, but also very uh, aggressive at times. And just, you know, we had a lot of fun. I, it, it felt like an old buddy that we were just playing pretend... <laughs> 
um, I got this great uh, video clip. Uh, somebody was recording the fight scene that was happening above the saloon. And there's this one, <laughs> there's this one move where Thomas Vu, my stunt double, he does like a front flip, like he throws me over and uh, nobody wanted me to do that. I barely knew I could do that, but we were so in the scene that I ended up doing it. And it's caught on video where you see <laughs> as the flip is happening, Walter goes like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I do it. <laughs> and it's obviously like a very pathetic attempt. And it was so <laughs> slow and like so not cool. And you just see him, he just, he's, he froze for the moment because I wasn't supposed to do it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And he, <laughs> you just see him come out of character. He's blatantly laughing at me. And he's like, oh, shit, we got more fight left. And then so we, we get back into it and we finish the fight. But um, we we had such a great laugh about it. Like the whole time we had so much fun and we were giggling because like, I can't believe we get to do this for a living. Like I used to do this when I was 10 years old by myself, like punching, punching the couch and like, like reacting to people who weren't there. And like now we, we got to do that. But yeah, um, we got very lucky with Walter and um, I, I'm just so cool that a fight through time conceptually it's so wild um and we pulled it off so i'm very happy with all of that uh i mean we've had a great conversation over the last hour about all the stuff that's come before so maybe i could ask um maybe starting with nanressa uh, what what are you hoping for from your character for the next season and and all the developments around that i'm hoping to see more evolution of Jen, but also in a way that where she acknowledges her past, I think. Um, um, and I don't, I had this discussion really not with anybody, but, but I think if I could choose for my character, I would love to see, um, to show the audience a little bit more about the world in which she came from. And I think that would help to explain why she is the way she is and why she makes the choices that she does. And um, yeah, I would also be curious to explore more of that myself. That and Cagney and Lacey with, with Addison, if, if we could do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kaylin, how about your hopes for Addison? Well, I think my hopes for Addison are dependent on what happens in season two. So you're not going to get me today, Matt. <laughs> Worth a try. Nice. <laughs> you see through me. Uh, well, but what my hopes for the show are is that we really lean into this 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 thing that we found in kind of fourteen on, but but really heavily more fifteen. Yeah, uh, yeah, fourteen on. So from SOS through um, Nanrissa's leap to uh, f you know from all of these things. Because what we really saw was the family. And I think that this show shines because of the cast. And it differentiates itself from the old show because it's an ensemble. It's not just two people. Mm. And, you know, because of just, just the structure of what this is, there was a lot of that, like, bifurcation of, Ray and Addison or Ray and Caitlin, Ben and Addison and, and then the team. And what I really like is once we start moving the chess pieces together and you really see how the family dynamics work, like I want Ray and Ernie to disagree about something. You know, I want, I want to see these, see, see how all of that works together and how you complete the family regardless of where anybody is. 
Um, I think that's, I think that's where this show can have its strength. Um, and, and I really hope for that in the next season. Cool. And Ray, we, yes. we know that you're going to get bludgeoned to death at the start of the next season. Um, <laughs> but uh, assuming that you're, as a viewer looking in, what are you hoping for? Um, well, you know, being trapped to a hospital bed for the first seven episodes is a really <laughs> tough way to act. Uh, I'll be, they're going to be feeding me through a tube. I'll be speaking through a speaking. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, I, I, I want to echo a lot of what Caitlin said. Um, you know, we, uh, we are an ensemble and I feel like when, when we're, when we get uh, an opportunity to deepen all these relationships, it just makes for just overall a, a, a whole story and we get a better picture of everything. And it allows for so many um, paths to splinter off and, and stories and sub stories and, and, and how those sub stories can all come back. And, you know, if, if the first season we relied a lot on, mythology and um the science of time travel and you know and we still have the space to serialize those aspects like why not that be the the through lines for the relationships of mm -hmm. each of the characters um and you know i'm i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to digging in deeper as as we all know our characters better we know the show better uh the writers know our voice um and I think we're really going to fly in season two. Um, and we, you know, we, we, we're, we're at a really great place and, and credit to our writers. They've just crafted such an incredible way to wrap up the first season. And, you know, what once was a little bit just like, Oh, a bummer. We don't get a break between these things is now is kind of a blessing rolling straight into it because there's no um, period of, getting back into the groove of things. I, I think we're just going to roll right into it and carry, carry that energy straight through. And, and I think, um, you know, now almost being done with episode four, we're, we're at a very good place. Um, the show is very strong, stronger than ever before. And I think, um, it's just the viewers are going to love what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, just to see more growth there with the team. That is a terrific thing to hear because it's just, it's fascinating to me that we're 18 episodes into a brand new show and we feel like, okay, that was the origin story, the past, this prologue. Now we're mm. really set to go with this new quantum leap. And uh, there's only, you know, so much possibility to spring forth from here. So it just bodes so well for the future of the series and where the series could go. And we as fans could not be more thrilled. So Ray, Nanrissa, Caitlin, thank you so much for taking the time to appear with us again here on the Quantum Leap podcast. It means a lot to us. It means a lot to the fans. And we can't wait to pick your brains about season two. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be fun. Uh, thank you yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, we love you guys. Um, thank you for everything, uh, your involvement with this, the whole, our entire journey that you've been with us from the start. Um, we just, you know, in the beginning, it's like, what, there's a group of folks who have been talking about the show even while it wasn't going on. And, <laughs> and what is this? And I, I had my reservations in just in terms of like, am I going to be met with a lot of just, 
I don't know, you know, you're, I'm not Scott Bakula, you know, that's all that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I mean, y'all have just embraced us and I'm just so grateful and thankful for you guys and, and your involvement with our journey and, and all of this that we're all taking together. So yeah, thank you, you so much for, for this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to second that. It's, um, it's scary to step into a IP like this that has such a strong love for it because nobody wants to do a bad job. And, you know, you guys and a couple of the other podcasters, there's, it's a good bellwether of, of how, how it's going. Um, and you've been kind and warm and encouraging and, you know, we watch it's So, uh, so thank you for that. And thank you to the fans. Uh, thank you for coming with us and giving us a chance to, to make your quantum leap alive again. I finally got to meet Raymond Lee online. I, I kind of missed him the first time around, so it was great, oh, did to, you? Oh. great to see him this time. There was no hurricane, luckily, this time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. You know why? Because Ian fixed the timeline. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. <laughs> but Martinez is going to go back slightly further to unfix the timeline. Oh, no. Then I'll never meet Ray. He's going to go slightly further and make that butterfly flap its wings again. <laughs> and there's your tsunami. It's back. I'll never meet Ray. As long as you remember it. What great people. I love that they love their show and they're so on board for everything. It's it's rare that you see actors really this excited. And I think genuinely so uh, yeah. for their parts and their, their job. What's not to be excited about? Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> they're so passionate about it. And just the, the fact that they're willing to give up their time to come on a show and, and talk about it speaks volumes in itself. But then when you hear them talking about it, you realize as well, it's yeah, clearly uh, something that they, they feel so strongly about. Yeah. So thank you again to Raymond, to Caitlin, to Nanrissa. Um, that's the second of what we hope are many more interviews to come with all of you. We are looking forward to season two and to continuing our relationship and to just enjoying your work on screen. It's just such a great, great feeling as a Quantum Leap fan to not only get to see um, great people who obviously love the property doing a great job, but to have you all so accessible and so engaged in the fan community with shows like ours and fate's wide wheel and just just it's it's rare it's rare and um really thank you thank you all but raymond caitlin and anrissa aren't the only ones that we've heard from we have some feedback to share with you uh this one's a little different i always forget and this is just my fault. I always forget that we have a freaking voicemail line, but we did have some voicemails. And um, I was glad to be able to pull one for this final episode because it comes from our new Patreon producer, Harold Sullivan. So, uh, guys, I'm going to play Harold's voicemail. Here it is. Hey, y'all. My name is Harold. I actually just joined uh, as a $20 member recently. I went blind uh, about a year and a half or so ago. I was born disabled. And I found your podcast uh, when I started listening to the podcast a couple months back. And uh, I've re found my love for uh, Quantum Leap. I uh, was into it when I was younger, but they're really going to, you know, you don't really get it as a 10 or 11 uh, year old. Uh, but then after I got blind here, I went back and listened to every all episodes after I found your podcast. And within a couple of weeks or so, I did all five seasons. But that show is so good that even if you're blind, uh, that makes it it's even better because it's so well written and acted and the sound and every, I mean, just everything. You don't have to have sight. But anyways, uh, maybe you guys could, uh, call back or I can do a oh boy one day or 
I'm actually interested in maybe trying to write some fanfic or stuff. I can't find any audio. I've been trying to find audio. I didn't even know comics existed about Quantum Leap until you guys uh, I heard on your podcast. I respect and appreciate the podcast and all of you and the work. I'm amazed that you can bring out the episodes so quick. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks. So, wow, Harold, thank you so much for that message. I'm sorry it took me a little while to find it and to play it, but there's a lot that you're bringing here. I mean, um, I don't think I've ever heard the experience of someone who's blind going back and revisiting the show. And that's fascinating to me how, how it holds up mm. even, even better, you're saying, because it's so well written. So I'm glad that you, you, you found the podcast and that you, we were able to sort of rekindle your love for Quantum Leap. That humbles us. That makes us so proud that, um, we're here yeah. and we're able to keep the fandom going on. You can thank Mr. Albert Mark Burge for that. He's the one who started the show. So take a bow, Albie. Harold, yeah, it's great to hear that message, and uh, I like the fact that you're enjoying it just with the audio. Um, uh, that brings up a, another thing: is uh, Peacock is doing a great job with the audio descriptive version soundtrack of Quantum Leap. Oh, yeah. I always watch the episode. Uh, of course, we watch the screeners, but then I watch the episode on NBC, then I watch the episode on Peacock, and then I watch the episode with the audio description on Peacock. And it's like an audio drama, audio play, and it's really great. Nice. They do a great job making it accessible for people that uh, have a hard time seeing or are blind. That's important. I'm glad they're doing that. That's neat. I never even knew that was a feature that you could do. So that's cool. And um, Harold, you didn't say if you're watching the new series. We hope you are. We hope you're enjoying it. And I wonder if that's something they'll be able to do with, you know, back catalogs of shows as they become, you know, available on these streaming services as just something for a viewer like Harold. But apparently the, the old quantum doesn't even really need it. So that's great. I've never heard of, um, speaking of the fanfic, Harold, I've never heard of an audio version of fanfic. And I left that in, in the message because I wanted to make an appeal to the listeners out there. If any of you in the fan community know of audio versions of fan fiction that Harold can access, please send us an email so that we can put that information out there because I'm sure that he's not the only one curious about it. So, yeah, I think that that's another area of fandom that we have neglected to explore. And I want to thank you, Harold, for bringing that up. Uh, again, probably a, a wide segment of the fan community that would be interested in knowing that. And um, just as far as um, being interviewed for an old boy segment, uh, you can rest assured now that you're at the producer level, I will be calling you and I will be asking you uh, about your Quantum Leap fandom on a future old boy show. And um, to that end, I want to just take a minute to talk to the patrons directly. Ever since the new show has come out, we have been so consumed with producing this reboot that I have let the Patreon bonus stuff sort of go fallow. I mean, there's still plenty of stuff to listen to there for new uh, supporters, but um, I realize that we have not been putting out the content on that channel as vigorously as we used to. Now that we are wrapped up with season one, I already have two shows in the can, and uh, I will be bringing a new Oh Boy interview with uh, Craig Reedley and also a Leaps Elsewhere that Matt, Allison, and I did in the coming weeks now that we have a chance to breathe. Got to be honest with you guys, a lot of work goes on for these weekly shows and sometimes there's just no gas left in the tank. There's only so many hours in the day. Uh, I think we can all uh, oh, <laughs> we yes. can all come uh, to that, right, yeah. guys? <laughs> that is a major understatement. It's uh, I think it's like a full-time job on top of our already daytime full-time jobs for all three of us. Yeah, who needs sleep? You all right? Sleep, shmeep. 
And A, a shout out to John Irons last week for uh, coming to our rescue when our real lives were so hectic that we didn't look like we were going to get all our shows out on time. He jumped in and helped us edit the audio podcast. So a great thank you to John. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. John is the only reason the, the show got out on time last week. So thank you, John Irons. Yeah. hundred percent. Big shout out to John. Love John. Yeah. Uh, such a good friend to the show. And I'm sure we'll be hearing from him on the regular as, as we go on with season two. But uh, I just wanted to um, say thank you if you're a patron out there and you're still supporting us for your patience. I know that ostensibly you're supporting the podcast as it airs, but we do like to bring you that bonus content and we'll be revving that back up now that we have some time to do so. So if you would like to be like Harold and tell us what you think about this episode of Quantum Leap or season one in general, there are many ways that you can reach us here at the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can write us a letter at P.O. Box 542, Bayport, New York, 11705. You can get us by phone, like Harold did, at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can hit us up on Instagram at quantumleappodcast or Twitter at Quantum Leap Pod, and you can watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash the Quantum Leap Podcast, and you can always go that extra mile and support us on Patreon, like Harold and like our other great supporters at patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. Just remember, we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And upcoming episodes, Albie, you've already recorded the after show for this, haven't you? So what, what goes on there? Oh, it's a great show. Um, we go into many different topics than we talked about here, which I, I was very pleased with because I was able to give my opinion on many different things. But uh, we have uh, the amazing Brian Green from Al's Place as our guest with me and Hayden. And we talk all about this episode and dissect it and all the parts we found so very fascinating and fun. And we just uh, we basically fanboyed out for an hour and a half. So. <laughs> that's cool. great. I wonder what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's a fun time. So if you haven't seen the after show, it's available on YouTube. What is what is that link, Chris? It's uh, YouTube.com slash the Quantum Leap podcast. We plug it every show. And as soon as you get finished listening to this podcast, go over to YouTube and check that out. And it's me, Hayden, and Brian Green talking about Judgment Day. And there will also be uh, video versions of the interview that we did with Raymond, Caitlin, and Nan Rissa, as well as an interview with Georgina Riley. So we speak to Janice as well. All that great stuff on the after show. Check it out, youtube.com slash the Quantum Leap Podcast. And this is usually where I say, Matt, why don't you tell us what's coming next? But we're at the end of the line here. We're at the end of the line. Well, so episode 201, <laughs> Judgment Day Part 2. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <Yeah. laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're going we're gonna to revert back. We're going to go back to the classic series. So um, we will be talking about the novels. We'll be talking about, I think we're up to play it against Seymour mm -hmm. on season one of the original Quantum. And um, I'm also uh, really excited to tell you that um, on our off weeks, we'll be scattering um, more interviews that only appeared on the YouTube channel throughout the coming months as we gear up for season two. We spoke to so many people and only a fraction of them made it onto the podcast. I want to highlight all of the interviews that we've done over the course of the season. So we're going to be bundling those and releasing them as spotlight specials as well in the coming weeks. So, so much more to come on the classic series, so much more to remember about season one of the reboot series. And, uh, 
there's no end in sight for the Quantum Leap podcast. So um, we haven't decided we're going to stay weekly, though. I mean, I think we need a little bit of a break. So we're probably going to take like, (laughs) we might take a a couple of weeks off. Yeah, we all need a nap. When we wake up from our (laughs) nap, just watch your feed eagerly. Um, And we will eventually be back probably in about two weeks. But uh, we know you'll be patient. And uh, we look forward to bringing you all that great content. Look forward to uh, getting back into some good Sam Al stuff. So until that time, I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Matt Dale. And I have been Albie. And we will see you somewhere in the future. Or the past. Or a parallel timeline. But we have to press the button at the same time. Yes. But not. (laughs) But yes. And Albie's going to be in the middle like a Jedi Knight. (laughs) Awesome. Guiding our hands. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) I know where Albie guides hands. I'm I'm not going there. Yep. Always down. Okay, show's over. Show's over. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Harold Sullivan, Glenda Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a barren space production. I I so agree with you. Uh, I'll start again. I so agree with you. Um, I'll start again. <laughs> I so agree with you. Um, I'll start again. I'm, I'm stuck in a loop. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Waggle his uh, tail. But we are not done yet. Stay tuned because when we come back from the break, we will be speaking with Ben, Caitlin, and Nanrissa. Stay tuned. Uh, ben, Caitlin, and Nanrissa? Ah, right. Ray- <laughs> Raymond's Caitlin and Nanrissa. Pick, pick one or the other. Okay. I've heard it. I've also got a visitor as well. Hey, Zach. Zach, will you do me a favor? Will you- Very important. Oh, you're right. Your head, okay? Will you tell mommy I'll be down in about 10 minutes? Can you tell her that message? No, you don't trust yourself to do that. <laughs> love it. Okay. I love it. All right, so let's let's get this going because okay. I think it's going to be a long yeah. one. Okay. As, yeah. she, as okay. she said. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. And I'm Matt Dale. And I'm Aldi. Yeah, you know what? Why don't we start again? Oh. I want I want to do it like Al because Albie's not a special guest. Albie's Albie. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I could be a special guest. I think guest. he's a special. I think I'm he's special. special enough to be a special guest, but okay, that's it's fine. First time I'm on this season, I think. No, but he's the OG. He's the OG. Yeah. He needs no introduction. Yeah, but I'm I'm like Scott Bakula coming back in season two. Come on. <laughs> I feel weird welcoming you back to your <laughs> own show. Special <laughs> guest star Scott Bakula as his father. All right, we'll we'll do Albie okay. as a special guest. No, 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 no it's it's fine, it's fine. We'll all right. So we'll start again. 
Hey, oh, which, which should we do? Which <laughs> my and I want to give Matt? you're gonna be you're gonna you're gonna give and Matt Dale, and I'm going oh, to okay. talk about Albie like it's the second coming of Spock, Scott Bakula, Spock Bakula, <laughs> Spock back. <laughs> the search for Scott. Perfect. And remember, you get you get twenty dollars if you sing my intro. <laughs> Not happening. All right, let's get the show on the road. I smell dog.